thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. Messiah, your movie of the week, your fucking t-shirt. Yeah, we need to come up with some sort of uh, something, uh, something to reward people who can pull up. Well, I guess they can just Google it. <laughs> You're on the honor system. Tell us if you know these quotes. Yes, they may or may not have something to do with what we talk about in said episode hi everybody we're back hello hi it is hi yeah i I thought you said my name wrong no (laughs) hi i'm i'm adis and this is uh bradley (laughs) i'm bert (laughs) oh welcome to the brewing view podcast the podcast uh critics are saying you don't know you miss it till it's gone and then like a beautiful summer storm rolling in it washes mm. over you. We bring the thunder. Yeah. And and we're quite striking. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and, yes. So, yeah, we, yeah. I'm, I miss talking to you guys. I miss talking to you, Andrew. I miss um, talking to you. I'm, I'm glad we're back. Back in the yeah. building. Yeah. We uh, had to take a week off. I had to take a, a sabbatical. Uh, work was getting to me. Podcasting was getting a little bit too much. The the man was getting me down. I had to get away for a week and uh, clear my thoughts. Check into rehab. And, uh, check into rehab. And I'm back, ready to drink. <laughs> yep. 
had to uh yeah get off the hard stuff and get back to what what got me to where i got i've 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 risen to so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyways so uh things good with you down in the bathtub yeah it's it's quickly becoming the sauna down here um but things are great Uh, i saw i've finally been getting back to the theater uh which is great for uh not only is it something i love doing but obviously this podcast uh, and it's respite from the heat Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. you're going from the tub to the jacuzzi yeah the big jacuzzi yeah nice relaxing you get to kick back have some popcorn like all jacuzzis Hmm. Um, and it's good stuff it's it's uh good stuff so i've been uh happy to get back to that i'm excited to talk about some of the stuff i've seen yeah and uh well every everything else i've been doing is uh can be found on another show so yeah i guess that's all there is to that can be yep you don't have to playing coy coy with the listeners yeah i see how it is Keep them it's, uh, it's called branding. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Maybe you'd understand. <laughs> it's it's Brad. <laughs> sure. And I made us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how's everything with you? Fresh from uh from Good. drying out. Ah, uh, we got although I doubt I you were it. doing that on vacay. I uh, watched a bunch of movies, drank a lot of beer, did some fishing. Nice. Um nice. Uh, yeah, did some other things that you can listen to on the other podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I had a very eventful week, and uh, good. Let's not say I was resting on my laurels. I, uh, I was, uh, I was doing exciting things. So listen to the span of void and find out mm-hmm. what exactly I did. I'll I'll tell you off air because I forgot to tell you whenever we were talking earlier. So, anyways, back to this. We're not here to talk about what we do. We talk about what you guys want to hear about. And what we're adjusting yeah. and putting into our earballs and and down our throat stuff. Yeah. So what do you drink? You know. What do you drink? Oh, well, um, uh, the final brew in a uh, series of beers that were brought to me uh, by my uh, buddy Brennan, uh, friend of the show. And uh, he. Hit me with uh, this SPF 5050. It's an IPA, or I'm sorry, it's an IPR. That's right, R. India Pale Radler, um, Gangway India Pale Ale, which I assume is uh, by Red Hair. They're probably one of their flagship beers. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with them, so I can't really speak to that. Uh, Blended with grapefruit juice. And... uh, it's brewed down in uh, Marietta, Georgia, GA Bay Bay. Um and I It looks s- like it looks like the endless summer on the on yeah, that can. It it does, but with rabbit heads. So oh, okay. kinda kinda funny. I'll I'll uh post a picture to our Oh our red untapped. hair. I, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a rabbit. Oh. Not not like a beautiful I was, lady. I was thinking more pubes. Mm-hmm. 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 There you go. Mm-hmm. We're not that show. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. We're a show where we drink and talk. Of course, we're that show. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, no, I do. I take that back. I'm just going to complete 180 my previous statement. Mm-hmm. Um, Stiegel does a Radler. Um, it's t- 
tart, very refreshing. I I like to pour it over ice and uh, throw a shot of gin on top. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. It actually um, is kind of, uh, I guess it's not really against type. I do, I do enjoy cocktails, but uh, beer over ice, not something you typically think of. Um, but I recommend it. Uh, that's very tart. This kind of reminds me of a mimosa, which I am a-okay with. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, especially for a summer drinking beer. Yeah. You know, that's... Yeah, I don't do the uh, the shandies. Like, I hate the... Um, which is weird, because I thoroughly enjoy lemonade, because who doesn't? Um, right. But the the shandies, it, maybe it's just lining kugels. Um has turned me off so much that I've not really tried a lot, but right. I'm, I am not about that, uh, that Shandy life. <laughs> uh, so, um, the Rattler though, I, I can uh, get behind the grapefruit. Um, yeah, but I like grapefruit in a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Grapefruit IPAs. Um, I've, I, one thing I'm really looking forward to father's day coming up as you might know. Yeah. Um, Urban South uh, is going to have a one of their flagship IPAs, but with brewed with grapefruit. So it won't be a Rattler, okay. but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, definitely going to head, head that way for that. Um, but yeah, grapefruit is a delicious flavor, um, especially when it's natural. So Right. Um, and I will apologize surprised. if you hear the crunching in the background. That's mm-hmm. my dog chewing on a bone. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah. But that's uh, podcasting, and, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, the professional studios. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes uh, producers are a little quirky and they want to bring their service pets and yeah, stuff yeah, in. And absolutely. You, know, you have to deal with that. But anyways, yeah. Um, Cool. I, uh, yeah, uh, good refreshing summer beer because it's getting hot there. It's getting oh, hot yeah. here. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested because I'm not a big fan of this. I mean, it, and they've done variations. Line of Kugel has done a mm-hmm. couple variations on their shandy. Uh, when I first had their summer shandy, I liked it. Uh, I, mean, I liked it fine. I didn't love it. It was good enough. Uh, yeah. But now I've gotten to the point where I can really only palate one, maybe. You know, if they're yeah. if I'm drinking, but they've they've done a couple different kind, they like an orange shandy and stuff like that, where mm. they switch it up a little bit, so it's not such a. I don't know. It for me, it's like a vanilla kind of taste, or it's just a. Uh, it's it's well, it's like a light like it's like a lemonade light beer. Yeah, yeah, know, and that's like I think maybe it's the light beer aspect that turns me off. Um, yeah, but. Because I'm for, I'm all for the uh, the beer mosa too, doing the mimosas on the cheap. Yep. Um, skip the champagne, get a nice uh, maybe farmhouse. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'd say with the 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 ice though, you need definitely need to have a cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely keep uh, the uh, the beer mosas. I've not done over ice, but yeah, get a a Stiegel Rattler. Uh, over ice and throw a, a nice shot of gin on top, and you got a stew going. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys like the stew. Mm-hmm. You're all about the stew. Hey, if you uh, if you didn't bail on Arrested Development, you'd understand. 
No, I don't. I just <laughs> I didn't bail. I haven't bailed on Mavs yet. So yeah. Oh well, even better. Yes. So uh, you I made the right choice. Uh, yeah. I gave it a three seven five on Untapped. Please. Okay. Good. Tell us what you having. Um, sorry, I didn't want to. I didn't mean to step over you. No, it's all right. Um, I, I realize I'm I drinking forgot. one of you, another one of yours that you sent up, and I've made this this last because uh, you sent this right whenever you left. Yeah. Uh, the the Pan Am, and uh, I'm drinking from. I guess it's from Miami. Uh, it's um, MIA Beer Company Ooh. called Mega Mix. Yes. It's uh, Pale Ale American. I, and I actually saved this for a while because I saw Pale Ale and I was like, yeah, Pale Ale. I'm not a big fan of Pale Ales. But this thing has a little bit of something to it. I mean, it is good and hoppy. Um, it's got a, um, a great logo on it. Considering it's, I'm guessing it's brewed in Miami. Uh, yes, so it's a microbrewery in Miami, yes. Florida, and it it feels like a 90s, 1980s Miami, uh, with all the the neon colors, the mm-hmm. pinks, the blues, the uh, the yellows and the greens. Um, uh, I got a picture of it on on tap, so you can check it out. Uh, it's a good beer, good and hoppy. It, t- yeah. it, it tastes like a. Um, like a, on the lighter side of a double IPA almost. It really yeah. does. But it only – it's it's 6%. It's uh, 60 IBU. Mm-hmm. No, 50 IBU. So it's not even that high. But it, it comes across like an 80 IBU. I mean, it's got good – it's got a good flavor, good yeah. full body to it when you when you drink it. Uh, not real filling, but it's it's got – it's got a lot of – potential this is a this is a four two five beer for me nice um, i am really, I really like it glad um, to hear that i I, was, I think that's an an exceptionally good beer um, yeah i was really surprised yeah that was um i'm glad that hit because that that and the uh divide and conquer were the two that i was like kind of building everything around i was i was thinking those were the two and the divide and conquer didn't didn't land as well so i'm glad this one hit no, I, I mean, I still like the Divide and Conquer. Um, yeah, no, I know. But I, I was honestly hoping it would blow you away. So. Right. This one is just a breath of fresh ale because I was mm-hmm. a er, ale. Yeah, well, a breath of fresh ale. Fair enough. Um, uh, it's, I was expecting a lighter, kind of less uh, influential. But this, I mean, this tastes like Miami in my mouth, you know. You get, you know, some... Uh, a bath salt crazy guy trying to eat somebody over here. You got mm-hmm. some nice Brazilian girls on the bathing topless over there. It's just a big old party in your mouth. Yeah. So. You got to love it. You got to. Nice. Awesome. So I'm glad um, I'm glad you like that. I do really, I think that's a great beer for sure. So uh, if you're in an area that might have some MA Mega Mix, pick it up. Yeah, it is really good. Mega Mix, MIA Brewing Company. What's that stand for? MIA? Is it just Miami, or I don't know, missing in action, which can happen in Miami, especially uh, in in the area you're talking yes, about. Yes. <laughs> Thinking what? Paper planes? MIA? Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. So nothing yep. wrong with and some paper planes. If you want to see what we're drinking, mm-hmm. come on Untapped, where you can 
toast us and talk to us and do all the stuff. Uh, we have some friends that are drinking with us. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Brennan. Oh. He's having a one twenty minute IPA from oh. Fish Head. So jealous. Uh, Mr. Neil Orange Peel, who's I guess no longer a real good friend of yours. <laughs> nah, as long as he's listening. He drinks these like um everything is so literal over. <laughs> so <in> descriptive. <laughs> it's like extra smooth ale, John mm-hmm. Smith. English bitter. Like <laughs> that's just yeah. There's no mega mix or uh what was your, what was yours called? Oh, SPF fifty fifty. Yeah. It's like that this is like this is this is a strong lager. <laughs> exactly. It's great. Or a, this is a full body stout mm-hmm. by Winchester Brewing Company Brewing Company. Uh, Matt K from yeah. uh, up in my neck of woods and I I'd like to go like hang out and drink a beer with him, but like I don't know what we talk about other than you. But I guess that would be good too. Maybe we can do a podcast with Matt. I wonder if he'd be into it. Oh yeah, that would be that would make my day, possibly my week. No, that would uh, be great. I don't know if we kind of just it or not, but we kind of just check in from listening. time to time with each other. So it'd be nice to to really catch up and and. Uh, electronically drink some beers. Uh, but he was drinking Rogan Express from Mad Chef Craft Brewing. It's a mm. Rogan beer? What is a Rogan beer? I don't know, but it earned him a Wheel of Style Level 11 badge. Look at that. He's... And then uh, Mad Fire Golden Goose, mm-hmm. which is a braggot. <laughs> In uh, England, they just call that braggot by Mad <laughs> Mad Chef. <laughs> yes. What is it? It's a bracket. And, and in some parts of England, that's a racial or that's a hate crime. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's some uh, people to uh, that are following us and uh, you know interacting and doing doing the goods, doing the Lord's work, as they say. Well, I'm um, a, I'm a little nervous um, based on our line of logic here. Another thing that Neil recently checked in was old engine oil. it's just scary um but then he also went on to have coconut and lime yeah (laughs) they are they are very literal but then all of a sudden here comes the old engine oil which i hope is not literal (laughs) that sounds like like a uh a sex move Mm -hmm. you know yeah the fifth graders make up that's my favorite Uh, Those those are the best ones um, so I, what's his, um, uh, Jason, mm-hmm. I'm trying to find his tweet to us about where I should go in Virginia beach. Mm. Um, and I can't find it, but so I was, I was looking for what he told me to go find. Mm-hmm. Oh, LCCB, uh, farm brews. So when I looked this up, I thought it was a joke. I thought he was fucking with me because <laughs> it's called Licking Hole Creek. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Why? Why is that a joke? It's in Goochland <laughs> County. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to sound a little iffy. Yeah, but it's got a like a ver- or it's not a verified uh, Twitter account, but it's got a Twitter account mm-hmm. and it looks real. I was just afraid to go there, so I didn't get a chance to go to Licking Hole Creek. Would have liked to, 
But I did find a nice couple of nice little breweries, which we may or may not talk about here in a little bit. Hey, there we go. Nice. So, thanks for the 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 good looking out, but uh, I just didn't get a chance to go there. So thanks anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Keep that in your pocket. Save it for a rainy day. Never know. Yeah. Never know when you're back there. Uh, nice. So. As mentioned, you can follow us on Untapped and get a shout out on the show, Brewing View Pod. Yep. We're doing a good job of keeping this nice and tight, aren't we? There we go. Well, hey, beer is half the namesake of this show, and it only, right. it only eats up a, a short period of time. So, so what's the harm in, in going a little long on that? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Absolutely nothing. Mm hmm. I hear that, but we do have a lot of movies to talk about tonight. We so. do. So. We do. We two weeks off. Mm-hmm. Bunch of movies. Two two Some weeks not movies. recording, but we we never take time off. This is a this is a, a serious Labor operation love. here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let me. Do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, as we talked about when we last recorded. Um, you assigned me the music documentary Gimme Danger from 2016, streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, written, uh, a weird term for a documentary. It's directed by Jim Jarmusch, um, and it is the story of Iggy and the Stooges. So, uh, it chronicles their, well, it's uh, considered by IMDb to be an in-depth look at the legendary punk band, The Stooges. And that it is. Um, I believe it was the early 70s when... Late 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah, late 60s, early 70s. It was like 1967 or something like that when they first got together. Early 70s is kind of when they... Yeah, no. Uh, or you will know. Um, yeah, so late 60s, uh, this band from Michigan, or these guys from Michigan kind of uh, get together, form a band, do a lot of weird things. And, um, and uh, this is the just chronicling of the... Well, the way it's structured, it kind of starts with the um, crumbling of, uh, yeah, and then circles back to uh, all of the the musicians in the band. Their um, kind of where they got their uh, ideologies about music. Um, Iggy Pop's definitely being the most interesting. Um, I th- I think obviously frontmen are are the center of attention as it is but um he really has some uh unexpected level of uh he just has an interesting mind for music and he his story i didn't know that he was kind of just traveling like playing with these blues bands and and uh r&b bands it's yeah that was pretty interesting it's like he was like he actually was on like he he talks about some of the the bands and and groups he played with. Yeah, and it's a pretty impressive as a as a drum player. Yeah, and it's, in Chicago, yeah. gotta love that. Um, yep. 
So, I mean, plot, really not much to discuss in that, um, in that realm. But uh, what really struck me is this is one of um, – I'm, I'm struggling to think of a comparison, uh, so, so I'm sorry about that. But this is definitely one of the best music documentaries I've seen. I think that, um, one, it might be access. Um, definitely, uh, Jim Jarmusch has a lot of access, which is great. Uh, it's just always great to hear kind of the stories from straight from the source. Um, access, a lot of footage, um, and, uh, all, all the surviving members, um, are there to, to kind of tell their story. Um, but it never falls into any of the trappings that other music documentaries, especially stuff around this time, but I, I guess just the trappings of the music industry in general. Um, it never comes across like a uh, VH1 level um, behind the music type of thing. It's, it's, you know, it's never about girls and drugs and they kind of, they talk about drugs, but it's in a very plain, almost in passing way, um, for a good portion of it. Um, yeah, like especially maybe the first like two thirds of the movie, they're just really like, well, we were you know living here, and you know we were doing drugs, but um, that that's not really the crux of of what this story is. And, um, they really talk about their philosophy, their time with the MC five and with the MC five becoming more political and they, um, not really subscribing to anything and kind of how they got kind of labeled as nihilist just by, um, absenting from this stuff. Uh, um, which I, I thought was interesting, especially being a big fan of 90s alternative and obviously nihilism being a huge part of that. Um, yeah. It was just kind of kind of uh, interesting parallel. Um, but it a lot of it was them telling stories, their theory on music, their ideas about music, their... Um, <coughs> you know, it, it never became... Uh, you know the the tale of excess and groupies that that, that so many other things become, and uh, so for that, I salute it. Yeah, I like I yes, all those things. And you said something interesting there, where they were it, there's more than just the uh, the nihilism. Mm-hmm that parallels the 90s, but it's also like the breaking off of the norm of regular rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That parallels the early nineties as well. It's like them getting away from the, the rock and roll that rock and roll had become Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, getting away from the hippie movement. Like everyone associates like 19, you know, that era, like 1967, the summer love, like, like I think, couple days ago it was the 40th or no 50th anniversary of the 
the beginning of the summer of love, mm-hmm. right? And these guys were flying right in the face of that. They yeah. hated hippies and all that stuff. <laughs> and like, it, you see some parallels too with the grunge movement in the early nineties and stuff. And we've off air talked about that yeah. ad, ad nauseum. Um, what I, I really enjoyed the, like the beginning of this movie. It was great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Like their origins, their, their, um, their philosophies on music and like the whole 25 words thing with him. Yeah. That you know, was he, interesting. Like, yeah. He, he got this thing in his head where he saw the, this puppeteer on TV that only said 25 words or something to that effect. Or Yeah. He was, he wanted kids to write in, but keep it under 25 yes. words. Yeah. And like that was his, his, um, his theory on, on writing songs, keep it to 25 words or less. And I thought mm-hmm. that was just amazing. And, and not that I really dig his music, but I can see the influences mm-hmm. in the Stooges. What I what I didn't like, and I like, I think that Jeremish was really obsessed with the access he had to surviving members, especially especially Iggy Pop, because he's mm-hmm. so open and honest and not like a recluse and like aloof, like a lot of these um, front men are sometimes. Yeah, and, well, especially of he, that era too. He just he doesn't seem to have melted his mind. Well, that and he's not like he's not full of himself either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he he is what he is. He just he doesn't wear a shirt and he just says what he thinks. Like you know what I mean? It's not he's not existential to no. any great degree. I mean, but he is a lot smarter than what he appears to be. He's not just a wrinkly old man now. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but what I what I wish that they would have done is to get a little bit more – I mean, it would have been so easy for them to go and talk to Dave Grohl or mm-hmm. go talk to um, uh, Eddie Vedder or – like because they obviously influence – The people they have such a di- direct through line to. Yeah. Right. And and tell me why. Not just, not just have them tell me why their music mm-hmm. was so important – have the people that they influence tell me why their music was so important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I know they were important. I don't appreciate their music that much. I, like, I've listened to it, and I've listened to it since I've watched the watched the doc. Yeah, I'm not and a I'm, huge I'm fan. Just not, I get it, but I don't get it. I want to hear from the people that actually I consider geniuses to yeah. tell me why they were such a great influence. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would have liked that because I thought the middle hat, middle like the middle act of this movie really meandered. The third part was kind of cool when they went to Coachella and, and did all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that was really neat. But um, yeah, uh, I thought the first part was really good. I think the rest mm-hmm. kind of lacked. Yeah, I could I could definitely yeah understand understand that point of view. I just I think maybe for me I'm just so happy that they avoided those trappings successfully. Um, yeah, and we're just yeah. so matter of fact with the um, uh, just so matter of fact with everything that happened because so many, um, and maybe that just speaks to their them having their egos in check and their personas, um, uh, and, and they're I they're they're true musicians. Like it seems like this is what they want to do, and they're gonna do it like they whether. Um, they have an audience or not, obviously. Um, but like it, it, they alluded to it earlier, they they put a red herring in the beginning, like the throwing of the beer bottles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said it right at the beginning. Never got back to that. 
never never once touched it again. Yeah, I was no, like, I didn't think about that. I want to I want to see a little bit more of that, like the craziness that like yeah, happened when, then. when people were, <laughs> I mean, trying to physically harm. Them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but yeah, like, I forgot also about that. at their at their bequest at mm. some at some times you know he was asking for it mm-hmm. you know yeah. he wanted that kind of thing you know he was he he embraced yeah. it oh that see that's another thing that i found really interesting and in that that i think other music documentaries lack is like he knew um how to really feel the uh energy of a crowd and how to really like he was Take very in tune with what people responded to and he was very in tune with um uh what his audience maybe wanted um and it was interesting like the they alluded to it a little bit not um maybe maybe i would have liked some more of that too but how in tune the band was with all each other um where they uh like Iggy would disappear into the crowd and they would just keep playing and they wouldn't go forward. They'd continue to play, but they wouldn't move forward in the song until they heard him start singing again. And they wouldn't even like look up or be phased by it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I think that maybe that's one of the things that I really loved about this too, is that these guys are true musicians who, um, you know, they, these, the, the excess was part of their lives, but they're not, indulging it or looking back on it with man we're fucking legends man like none yeah. of that like yeah i mean hell the one guy was mm-hmm. a silicon valley tycoon yeah <laughs> yeah that's really odd yeah and, and just like the there would be so much um ag- self-aggrandizing of like being super poor and living in a house together and people just coming in and out if these were other bands like i picture for some reason like i i'm thinking of motley crew like they're to me they're the pinnacle like they're the the prime example of everything that's wrong with music um and i i just picture them just their self aggrandizing selves and yeah. uh this just this never has that and they um I think it sounds like you and I are kind of on the same page with this. They, they influenced a lot of our favorite bands more than, more than they really um, influenced us or, or resonate yeah. with us. So I appreciate them for that, but I, I think you could wipe out the entire hair metal era and, and we'd still be fine. Uh, I tell you what, we needed that. We needed that That's to what have the grunge the, yeah. era. I, you know? I talked to a guy who's like, man, I fucking hate Nirvana. Um, he was an older guy. He was, uh, he was actually a drummer, um, in a Led Zeppelin tribute band. Nice. <laughs> He's like, man. And he was like the most positive guy. Like it, right. maybe he was always stoned. I don't know. But he was like, man, I fucking hated Nirvana, but you know what? I really, really appreciate that they killed that hair metal shit. And he was just <laughs> so like matter, like so jovial. And so that hair metal shit, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck that stuff. Fuck that noise. Uh, yeah well uh how would you give it uh i gave it an eight. Oh, did you really yeah yeah really um i definitely i i see and and i agree with your uh your criticisms i totally forgot about the the um 
the like crowd throwing bottles and, and that stuff in the beginning. Um, I forgot that they never got back around to that. Um, a couple missteps for sure, but I think that just between the access and the way that this is not, um, this is a filmmaker building their legacy, not them. They're just kind of talking about it matter of factly. And, uh, Jim Jaramusch is able to put it together in, in, a very dynamic way in my opinion so yeah. yeah yeah i gave it i gave it a six whoa well i i, I liked it it just no, i felt like he was he just was that he that was one of his favorite bands and he just like yeah that'd be like he, yeah. yeah and he and i would do the same thing like i would i don't blame him for doing it one bit i just would have mm-hmm. liked to seen um there was that middle that middle part like it just muddled and like they were talking about hanging out with david bowie but like never told us what like what collaboration what like, influences that they just showed yeah stock stock footage of him with bowie yeah like, that's I true see and what the influences were and stuff not that just they were hanging out yeah you know what i mean well maybe for me too i actually read um if you're into music i recommend it's a book called bowie in berlin and that kind of talks um to what was going on at that time a little more. So I, I kind of had some, some information to fill in the gaps a little bit, but yeah, I was right. really hoping that, um, cause they didn't even show any sort of, it was just kind of stock photos. They didn't even show any sort of what kind of collaborations were going on. So, right. It was just like, we got together and then we got, then like they were just telling who was coming in and out of the band rather yeah. than telling us what actually was happening. And like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It, I'd love the rate, the like the rising up of the band and that stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry. I no, on, I'm not offended. But now I'm gonna rob somebody and go south of the border with get the gringo. Yeah. Uh, 2012, get the gringo, starring Mel Gibson, directed by Alan Gutenberg as Adrian Gutenberg. Uh, director, er, he's also known for, it's an actor, actor, second unit director. Uh, he's done some know. great second unit Enough work. about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so this movie has cold opening, Mel Gibson in a clown out- outfit, driving, trying to get away from uh, Border Patrol, crashes across the border and ends up in Mexico and in a Mexican prison. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, along with uh, the beaver. Uh, this is one of his comeback movies. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, maybe a spiritual um, uh, sequel to get the or, uh, payback. <laughs> maybe it, it seems successor. like the same type of character. Um, uh, this, you know, he, he feels like it, you know, he's, he's like gruff and take no shit knows how to get things done. Uh, but has a heart of gold underneath all that, uh, kind of guy. Uh, this, this has, uh, Mel Gibson in a Mexican prison, a prison that seems more like a, uh, uh, a, a feudal feudal state in yeah. age, in uh, middle medieval times. It's like surrounded by all walls and there's serfs and yeah and uh, and in a hierarchy within. It's it's a it's, it's a like, neat little. <laughs> it's like Mexican Arkham City. 
Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. This would be a great video game. Yes, it's <laughs> like it was based on a video game because yeah. you have to get, you know, you have to beat the lower people to get to the higher, but then there's some other things you have to do. But yeah, uh, very good analogy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, short runtime, an hour and 36 minutes. Uh, good, good, good action movie. Um, mm-hmm. I really like this. Um, awesome. This is, this is Mel Gibson at his best yeah. as far as, you know, an action uh, start with quippy lines, funny lines. And he, you know, as much as everyone hates him and he's gotten such a bad rap, he's mm-hmm. still a really good actor and he is endearing whenever he's on the stage. Like you have no choice but to be attracted to him as uh, an actor. Like you just, he pulls you in. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me. That's how and, I, um, I, yeah, that's how I always describe Tom Cruise when people are like, oh, gross, Tom Cruise. I'm like, yeah, but when he's on screen, Come on, man. Yep. Yep. I can, you know, I'm a terrible person in life, but I'm a great carpenter. And <laughs> these guys, you know, are are bad people in life, but good actors. So that's their job. And they do a good job. At it. And this is a, <laughs> I am not a neat movie. It's got all. a heart to it. What's that? I am not following you at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know um, no, I... They, they're just I keep your baggage at home and let mm. and just watch the movie. I, I get it, but you just said you're a terrible person to like. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just I was being a little bit of a little uh Yeah, I'm I'm rooting your uh, really good carpenter. Yeah. Being a little hyper hyper hyperbolic, mm-hmm. hyperbolic. Um but like I'm this is a good bed, action sorry. movie, fun action movie. It's it's an R rating. It's not mm. like uh, I I would say it's a it's a harder R than like Lethal Weapon or anything or any of uh, Mel Gibson's other stuff. I mean, Payback is probably an apt comparison comparison to this. It's just set in a different uh, world, and mm. and it's 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 fun to see this. Uh, they really if you feel like you're in this prison, you feel like you're in Mexico. You there's always danger lurking around the corner and, um, the director does a good job. Uh, it's a good script. Uh, there's, it, it takes some flights of fancy and, you know, there's, it gets a little crazy at the end, but it, yeah. in the end, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie because it was a nice, short, tight action movie. And that's, you know, if you're going to go long and broad and big, go Mad Max. But if you're going to tell a little story and be, you know, have be the actors in it around a bigger star, mm-hmm. then do something like this. You know, I agree. I, I, uh, I like that. This is a, a small story in a, uh, a kind of a, um, self-contained space and pretty, uh, pretty sweet. Um, I feel like this is something that that's missing. Like you don't get a lot of action movies like this, and maybe they just fly under the radar. Um, but and it's easy to because like it's hard to find an audience for like a, an R movie like this. Like and like occasionally you'll get something like John Wick that hits, right? Yeah. An action movie, but like very few and far between that they do. And especially with Mel Gibson coming off his his uh, self induced hiatus from mm-hmm. Hollywood. You know, people are like thinking, oh, get the gringo. What the hell is this? What's he trying to do? It's some kind of like Mexican B movie. No, this is actually a good action movie and um, I, it's worth a watch. I would recommend this wholeheartedly to uh, people like action movies. And it has a little bit of a heart. Now, it gets cheesy at times and, and corny, but like 
I'll forgive those. I mean, I, I gave it a seven, but it like I will give a high recommendation to watch this movie. Like, I yeah. don't know that a whole lot of people that wouldn't like this movie. Like, I would sit down and watch it with my wife. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right on the same page with you, seven. Um, it's got some eight moments. There's there's something uh, special about it that you, you don't get from from some of the other movies. So, and then it, it is too. It's always nice to like catch something that's, that flew under the radar. Absolutely. Yeah. This is one of those ones I thought I would watch before, you know, I had, to, had to watch it on a podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I had to wait. Yeah. There you go. Good deal. Well, uh, I just, uh, switched gears and switched beers Ooh, yeah um truth be told we had a little couple glitches so uh well they could tell i i took it now but you know i like i want to be honest i want i want to just be forthcoming with everything uh so switch it up i'm now enjoying a double dry hopped on v by parish brewing company it's in america parish that's definitely a losing bear uh, it is an American pale ale and, uh, yeah, definitely is. <laughs> um, the, uh, this is a limited variation on the on V, which is a really, um, hazy, very refreshing APA. Um, and this has, uh, that same uh, same refreshing quality to it, but it adds a little more uh, kind of that sprucey flavor that that hops sometimes uh, bring out. So okay, it's good. I like it. Um, nice. I'm gonna hit it with the uh, three seven five on Untapped. Um, okay. Yeah, so we gotta make up for lost time. Drink more beers since we uh, absolutely took our time since your hiatus. I had to go dry off, dry out. <laughs> That'd be terrible if one of us. <laughs> well, we we It'd had be to stop recording because we had to go to we had to go to rehab. But uh, this week we're going to drink two beers. So. Yes, one of us is going to have a good time. The other one, mm-hmm. <sighs> great time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent, cool. So, um, with that, might as well hop into. Uh, the uh, assignments that we doled out in between episodes. Uh, I did tweet this out. I uh, didn't get much of a reaction from all the fans, but whatever. Uh, you assigned Had a me... couple retweets. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. It could have been retweeted a hundred times. Uh, <laughs> it, no, it wasn't. That would but... stand out. <laughs> <laughs> so few. Um uh, but you assigned me two days in the valley, which is streaming on Amazon Prime, and I assigned you the Thin Blue Line, which is streaming on Netflix. So uh, we're going to take this opportunity now to uh, have a few more beers and discuss a few more movies. Um, yeah. Two days in the valley, uh, written mm-hmm. and directed by John Hersfeld, um, who is not known for much. Outside of this, um, starring uh, Danny Aiello, Terry Hatcher, Jeff Daniels, um, Charlize Theron, and uh, James Spader. 
as well as a little Eric Stoltz thrown in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the story of 48 hours of intersecting lives and crime in Los Angeles. Now, before you say anything, okay, I want to say this is Crash meets Pulp, pulp Fiction. Okay, perfect. This is like a poor man's Pulp Fiction. Oh, this is a... this. All I could think of is this is the downside of Tarantino. <laughs> is it, is the downside of Tarantino is that people are going to rip him off and they're not yeah. going to do it as well. And that's uh, exactly what we get in this movie that IMDb is billing as a comedy crime thriller from uh, September of 1996. Uh, so this is definitely... Um, John Herzfeld, uh, he's reaching. That's that's everything in this movie is like, <laughs> I'm just uh, picturing him pouring over his typewriter and like taking a drag of a cigarette and reading the last couple lines of dialogue, talking about how I, how long a minute really is and being like, oh, boy, that's good. That's good stuff. Click, click, hmm. click, 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 click. Well, I can imagine this script was good. I just think it was in the hands of, like, he should have handed it off to somebody else. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Potentially. Because, like, I think there was elements of this movie that could have been, like, I, re- I remember this movie fondly. Okay. But I I only watched about half of it this week, to be honest, so I, I'm interested to hear how it holds up. Uh, <laughs> um. I can't, uh, you know, I can't really knock it for... Um, it, well, it seems silly to knock it for being dated. Um, but I think that, um, kind of lackluster, uh, dialogue, delivery, um, execution kind of accentuate a thing like that. Whereas when you're watching something and like, it's, it's clearly a product of a time and a place um, you kind of understand that. And, and if it's good, you really get lost in the narrative. Um, with this, I kind of had time to think about stuff like that. I did yeah. not, I didn't feel, uh, um, I didn't get lost in the narrative. Um, there yeah. were a couple things that were very confusing and just left very open-ended, um, or just, just kind of seemed like they might play, uh, a role later on, like the guy who, when the guy's having his, um, like seizing up in pain from kidney stones, <laughs> some guy steals another guy's car and, yeah. and that's just never, <laughs> never dealt with again. As <laughs> <laughs> a weird little, yeah. weird like, little, uh, aside. Yeah. So these, these things that you think are going to be, um, plot points are completely irrelevant. And then these things that should be completely irrelevant become entire plot points. Like uh, Danny Aiello's character, Dosmo, uh, like his, he like winds up in holding people hostage, but also cooking for them. Yeah. <laughs> and he was the worst. Like he yeah. was what I really disliked. Like his whole thing was just so obnoxious and and uh like there's just something just very like 
bad about the whole thing. And he's like, <laughs> she's like, we're going to wait till nightfall. I'm going to cook for you. So like, you got any marinara? You got any pasta? What you know, some basil? What do you guys got? Come on. How you doing? Yeah. And uh, just their dialogue was just cringing, dude. Like, you're like, you're very loyal. I'm Italian. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I get it. I, but like a 15-year-old Andy would like this. Maybe I should have signed it to 15-year-old you. Okay, well, so uh, if, maybe if it feels like I'm ragging on that. I think very fairly ragging on this movie. Um, but that being said, I watched it from start to finish with the intention like it was getting late and and uh i think it was uh tuesday night it was getting kind of late and i I had to work early and i was like well let's see it's about an hour the movie runs about an hour and 45 minutes i was like uh i can i can definitely watch half of this right now and i'll just pick it up when i get get uh home from work tomorrow um which i don't usually like to do but it was just one of those things where it's like i nothing was really catching my eye and I was like, well, I know I need to watch this. So I'll start this. I usually like to watch movies in one sitting. That's, that's always the goal. I feel like that's the best way to, to, to wrap your head around a movie. Um, so I was planning on only watching an hour of it and I, I watched it from start to finish. And so it, it, um, I don't want to use the word train wreck, uh, cause it's really, it's not that bad. Um, but it was one of those things where it was like, I can't look away from this. Like, <laughs> they bill it as a comedy, but the humor is not. Um, the, it's 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 try it's, tri- it's, it's funny comedy, like it's yeah to, it's funny because it's, it's bad. I well this is it's okay. almost a parody of of uh, Pulp Fiction. It really is. Yeah, it, it even having it, even to having Eric Stoltz in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeff Daniels is. Home life is so weirdly skirted. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so many things that are they're just missing. So I would describe this as a movie that Terry Hatcher's proud of and Charlize Theron's embarrassed of. Yes, <laughs> that's what but, that's what you're working with here. Um, I forgot the whole Ch- Charlize Theron. Like, if you're uh, this is Mr. Skin. Like, this is this, yeah. This is his go-to thing for Charlize Theron. Yeah. And I, who has taken a bigger, a per, more precipitous fall than James Spader? From the the good looks mm-hmm. of the late 90s. Yeah. And you get Charlize Theron at, you know, and she's still kicking butt movies, and he oh. is bald, big, and fat. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, uh, he mean, looks he looks now like Danny Aiello. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got any marinaras? Let's watch Blacklist on NBC's. How you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I, I like, no, don't I worry saw... about it. I, I so all, I gave it a six. Okay, like, well, <laughs> like that's good. I I enjoyed my experience watching it. Like I don't think I en- I didn't enjoy it for the reasons it was intended to be enjoyed. Right. Um. But I'm still glad I watched it. And so this is what I was looking forward to talking about with you. And uh, you you hit the nail on the head. 
is this is a completely Tarantino influenced movie. And if I assume that, excuse me, if you're listening to this podcast, you are interested in the movies. So this is the type of movie that I would recommend if you want to, if maybe you're not crazy about Tarantino, um, you watch this movie, at least maybe you'll be able to appreciate what he's able to do. Um, because that's, that's really, for me, this is just such a great example of, of this is ripples in the Tarantino pond as they, as they disperse, they get thinner and thinner. And this is towards the end of that ripple. Um, but well, before we go too far, his fingerprints all over. We have, I have a special guest. Ah, Oh, uh, oh. Brooke, Brooke has a beer to review. She doesn't drink beer. It's from uh, Green, Green Flash. I'll look it up. Say hi. You're in my way. Hello. Hey, what's up? Not much. How was vacay? It was wonderful. Nice. But now my husband has to work yeah, now, all the time. Now you will never see him again until the next vacation. I know. But yeah, I drank a beer. Guys, I'm I'm excited. It was from Green Flash, I heard. It is. Brad's looking it up right now. It mm. was um a saison. Is that what mm. it was? And it was it was um made in a white wine barrel, I believe Ooh, she said. Interesting. And he's still looking for it. But yeah, it it was sort of like a sour. Okay. But it wasn't as tart as some of the sours that I've had before. Yeah, those can those can venture into like sour patch kid territory, some of those. Yeah. <laughs> They're really sweet but, and really sour. But this one was good. I could actually drink the whole thing and enjoy a beer with my husband. There you go. That's what it is. It's a what is that word? Fresco. Fresco. Sauvage. Sauvage. Looks like savage with a U in there. Ah, I'm very familiar. Saison Farmhouse. It's a Saison Farmhouse Ale. 5.5% ABV. And the IBU is not applicable. (laughs) (laughs) From a 1 to a 5, what would you give it? What would I give it from 1 to a 5? I would say a out of all the beers you've had? Out of all the beers I've had, my favorite still is the Blue Note from Happy Valley Brewery. Okay. Hmm. It was a blueberry beer. It was really good. Ooh. So I would give that a uh, out of one to five. I'd give it a three and a half. Not bad. That's Because I would drink one glass and be done. Okay. It tastes I, a little bit like white wine, right? It tastes a little bit like white wine. With a sour mix. Yes, with sour mix. I'm telling you what to say. You are <laughs> telling me what to say. Don't worry. None of this is getting picked up on the recording. Thank you. You're awesome. <laughs> and. That's what you're supposed to say. Oh, what was I supposed to say? Thank you, honey. You're awesome. Thank you, honey. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will nice. let you two add it. Okay. Well, thank um, you for joining very... me. Yes, it was very nice talking with you. Yeah. In the audience. And the audience, all the listeners out there. Yeah, Fredo and Neil. How does it feel to to reach tens of people? Hola to Fredo. (laughs) Hola to Fredo. And good day to. And what? Good day. And good day to who am I saying? Neil. Not Australian. (laughs) 
All right. You two have fun. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Take care. <laughs> Bye. All right. That was refreshing. Yeah. Just like a uh, white wine yeah, sauvage. Uh, nice. So anyways. Awesome. Always so I, I uh, really interrupted you, but. No, you're fine. Um, if you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be okay. Uh, no, if, you, if you're you saying, interested. You're saying about uh, if you don't like Tarantino. Yeah. If you. Um, maybe not if you don't like it, cause maybe you just don't like crime movies. Uh, if you don't understand the hype around Tarantino, watch this and then watch Pulp Fiction and see That's a good, how much really good smoother, point. really good point, how much smoother he is able to balance the multiple storylines, how few, um, just kind of fumbles there are in the sense of the guy stealing the car. Um, the, Maybe the the whole Jeff Daniels uh, attempt at some sort of emotional storyline um, with the like first daddy thing with his son's birthday. I, it just like underdeveloped, just kind of half baked ideas that are picked up and dropped, and they kind of feels like they focus on the wrong things. Um, so, but this definitely has its place where if you're trying to figure out what um what the hype is or what's a what's a good example versus what's a poor example of a uh of a, a multi-threaded narrative in a, in a crime movie like i i think that this has uh like i i i know people i would recommend this to and and with that caveat but still like i i think that it's something that's worth seeing like it okay. has some sort of value to it. Um, I'm not I mean, saying it's a good there's movie. There's parts. There's parts of this with heart, but like it's it's cheesy heart at times. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's um, and I, like I remember this fondly, but there's a reason why I haven't thought about it until mm -hmm. I saw it on Amazon. Whereas like a movie like Pulp Fiction is in my lexicon. You yeah, know, I'm talking about it like in my day to day life. I'm not talking about two days in the valley. And, right. Um, it 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 is a good, like you said, it's a good reference point to say, like, um, you know, this guy, like, saw Pulp Fiction or saw Reservoir Dogs, yeah, and was like, I think I could do something like that and mm -hmm. shit out a script. Where Tarantino probably poured over that script and had probably 150 drafts of those two movies. You know what I mean? Before he thought he got it right. And even mm -hmm. then, like, he had rewrites whenever he was filming. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. And, like, so, like, it, it, and when you get, when when you read the script of this, and it reads like a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Uh, a film company is going to want to jump on it and say, oh, this is the next good thing. This is what everyone likes. Yeah. Let's do it. And there are obvious missteps with it. And it was... Uh, it had some potential, like I said, in the hands of, like, this guy was writer-director. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he writes it, someone else doctors it, someone else films it, someone, you know. Yeah, it might have just needed more hands. Like, especially yeah. the thing about, like, the the whole, I think he was really trying to hammer home this 
this uh, notion with James Spader's character in the whole like one minute stopwatch. Like I thought, right. I think that he thought there was more, um, more to that than it was. And maybe someone else could have put, you know, get their hands on it, get a rewrite. Like you could write that out of the entire thing and, and it would really cut the cheese factor down pretty significantly because that, that becomes, um, a focal point in at least four scenes and a movie that runs kind of short like this an hour 45 minutes like you can you can cut back on some of the nonsense with just eliminating that little detail yeah um but all in all I, like i said i didn't i kind of sat down thinking i'll watch half of this and i was fully invested so there there's something to be said for that yeah so, yeah yeah um well also, I was doing some some research, and this is by far, by about two two full points, the um, best rated John Hersfeld movie. <laughs> um, it's it's got a six point five uh, user score, <laughs> and his other ones are hovering around four. So no. there you go. So yeah, if you're gonna watch one um, from John Hersfeld's. Uh, filmography this is the one and it's streaming on amazon prime so yeah but yeah if you're interested in the way that movies work the way that they function the um the way trends work in film it's it's definitely um interesting in that <coughs> in that aspect in that regard so there you go there you go well, I'm kind of happy you watched it, I guess. I'm glad you I'm, no, I'm had glad I watched good it. takeaways I from it. Yeah, I definitely think that there was, some, there was definitely value for me as a fan of movies and as someone who's interested in how movies work. Yeah. And also well, it was kind of yeah. it, it was kind of like not bad good because it really wasn't like a disaster at all. But as someone who, who kind of knows Pulp Fiction inside and out um, yeah. and, and – you and I are on the same page. Like that's just, that's a go to like, for like what what like, is a great movie. That's well, like a- for me, like you know, when that came out, I see that movie in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Like I'm jonesing for the next kind of pulp, right? Movie, yeah, you know, like and like I'm looking at it through those lenses, those rose colored lenses, and thinking, you know, this doesn't it isn't to that caliber, but it's in that same genre but like i look back on it now and i i started watching i was like oh ooh, ah you know i'm thinking jeez what did i do to andrew <laughs> i'm thinking you know there's like uh you know pulp fiction has a rewatchability i think uh, like you know there's there's certain movies that have rewatchability that in any era doesn't matter yeah. you know whether it's bridge or the river Kwai, whether it's you know uh whatever it is, uh, the Godfather, all those things that it, it kind of, it, it, it's on, it doesn't matter what time period it is. You can rewatch it. This movie had, it feels dated. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know? definitely of a, uh, it's, it's a product of its time. It's kind of locked in that. So, well, do you want to take a break before I do mine? Yeah, yeah, why don't we do that? We'll get get a little refresher and uh we'll be right back. All right. 
well, to you at home, uh, it might have felt like no time at all, but I assure you, time has passed. I took a 15-minute whiz. Oh, yeah. A lot of guys like a camel. <laughs> and hung like a... Well, I don't... Cam- I'm hung like a camel back. <laughs> got, a, got a hose that you sling over your shoulder <laughs> into your yes. mouth. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. Well... Easy access. Yeah. There you Anyways. Go. <laughs> hey, we're drinking more beers. Yeah. We need to Can fill you it. believe we it? Need to fill, we need to fill that hump. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, yeah. listen, I I brought I had a, a chance to uh, visit a local brewery while I was on vacation. Awesome. Or uh, while well, I call it vacation. Um, Green, Fra- Green Flash Brewing Company, which where my wife had that uh, lovely saison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had an imperial double. IPA called the Palette Wrecker, brewed with six pounds of hop per barrel. Wow! And it is ninety nine point five percent ABV, and an astounding one hundred and forty nine IBU. Really? <laughs> wow! So <laughs> that will wreck your palate, <laughs> right? So, like when they were, I, I went up to the the bar and i was like asked like the first one i got was uh, some kind of uh, mango something or other mango ipa which was okay it was a lighter but it 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 had a a weird little taste to it i wasn't real happy then i went up and they they had a west coast ipa and they had a a, this palette record i was like okay which one do i asked the uh the lady at the bar is like which one do i want she's like well uh, to be honest like if you have the palette record you're gonna be the rest of the beers are gonna taste like hell because mm-hmm. it's really what it it does because it it this beer like is it's almost too much it it's it's almost a novelty beer that is mm-hmm. a real beer you know what i mean like it's it's good it really is good but it's almost too much like I love hops like that. That Mega Mix I just had a couple minutes ago, or mm-hmm. you know, however long ago previously. We about it, was, previously, on I mean, Brewview podcast, that was nice and hoppy and fresh and all that stuff. This thing was just, I mean, chunks of hop. You know, wow. I'm chewing it as it's going down. Really? Um, yeah, it's it was heavy, um, but good. Mm-hmm. But good. I gave it a four point two five on IM, or IMDb and on Untapped. Oh, no. IMDb didn't one is way better. Give it a four point four point two five. Um, so it's um, and it's a. Uh, I don't know how accessible it is. It's it's in the. Uh, it was only ten miles away from where we were staying. So it was a. Uh, my wife said on a, one of those rainy days we were down at the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, "Well, why don't you go to a brewery while you're drying out?" Uh, <laughs> you know, I had a. Pretty bad crank ha- habit uh, going down, but uh, I've kicked that. But I've doubled down on the beer. So, hey. and this one is heavy. That's so. crazy. I uh, I don't know what to think. <laughs> that's that. It like oh, chewing your beer. That's wild. But yeah, it's only it's only a one or two beer drink. Uh, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Do you know the uh, ABV on that? Uh, 9.5. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, probably shouldn't have more than two anyways, but 
Oh, well. Things happen. Not bad. Oh, wait. Um, oh, wait. You shouldn't? Eh. Oh. Shouldn't. Should. I don't know. They're hmm. so close. <laughs> Too late. Too late, man. Um, I'm sticking with the uh, double dry hopped on V. Uh, 375 on the old untapped. Uh, I have not been able to figure out what hops are used um, because when I looked at untapped, they had a couple different versions. Um, and this one just says double dry hopped. So I got it at the uh, Bromart. And uh, I'm glad I did. By Parrish. In Broussard, Louisiana. Louisiana. Have you gone any like swamp rides? You need to do something like that. You yeah, need, yeah. You know. I got this. I got the swamp pop. Oh yeah, you got the swamp pop. And get, I'm uh, sick, ma. Your, I got the swamp get, pop. <laughs> get your get your stew on and. Oh yeah. And get your flat bottom boat and go out into the swamp. Oh, I definitely am hoping to take. Uh, an airboat tour for sure um not hoping to i will uh just a matter of time but no we haven't done done any of that stuff yet um some some uh haunted history tours oh yeah so we did we have yeah. done that oh i asked you about that already uh midnight in the, the garden of good and evil mm. uh, you need to watch that you might need i'll i'll send you Maybe a Amazon gift card to watch that. To I'm sure. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's a, one of my favorite Louisiana or New Orleans. No, New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, it's two ninety nine. I'm sure I could swing it. Visiting city reporter's assignment suddenly revolves around the murder trial of a local millionaire whom he befriends. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, old John Cusack. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Kevin Spacey. And mustachioed Kevin Spacey. Oh, no one, not going to say no to that. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, I'll keep an eye out. Maybe it'll be streaming sometime soon. If not, couldn't couldn't hurt to give it a rent. Yeah. Nice, nice. <clears throat> but I assigned you a movie. Uh, you did. We talked about it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so when we figured out in rehab that I didn't have good Wi-Fi and I couldn't <laughs> record a podcast, um, we decided to assign some movies. Uh, which is bullshit because that sounds like a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get online, man. I fucking <laughs> need it, man. Um. You saw me a movie called The Thin Blue Line from mm-hmm. 1988, and uh, it's uh, directed by Errol Flynn, or mm-hmm. Errol Flynn, Errol Morris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm getting my Errols mixed up. The only two Errols I know. Yeah, I screwed same. it up. I had a 50-50 shot, and I jacked it up. Uh, uh, Errol Morris, to me, and tell me if I'm wrong in this, um, I consider him the original documentarian, or... The the one that made document or documentaries a legitimate form of filmmaking. Um, I I can't say. Um, okay. I definitely know that he is. Uh, when you're talking about people who are famous for 
Um, oh, I mean, he's even credited, so I'm looking at his IMDb page. Um, it says specifically that his documentaries helped spur a rebirth of nonfiction film in the 80s. Well, so, there you go. Yeah, um, you are spot on with that then. I, like, I, I just know that from, I, I think he did, what, The Fog of War? Yep. And, like, uh, he did some other thing. Anyways, he uh, he's known for that. That's what he's done. And so this this uh, documentary, uh, it, it circles around a uh, the killing of a police officer and the wrongful conviction of, wrongful in quotes, conviction of a man or men in Texas. And um, so this is like, okay. So the, what this movie, like this movie was received really well Mm -hmm. when it first came out. Yeah. And like, uh, I, like this is when we were, when I was in, um, I went to graduate school for criminal justice and I, I that was, my uh, career plan before I got into podcasting and mm-hmm. uh, I was going to, you know, do that. Well, luckily that worked out. So, well, yes. Uh, but this movie was referenced many, many times. I never watched it. I was, I'm surprised it wasn't maybe required watching in, in my time because I went to, uh, when I was in graduate school, it was, you know, uh, 2000, 2001, mm-hmm. somewhere around there or both of those years. And, um, but this this movie was referred, and the term "the thin blue line" is a term that I have heard a hundred times or more mm-hmm. in classes and or in pop culture. Um, this, in today's standards, this documentary is not very good hmm. uh, to me because there is way too much reenactment. Uh, yeah, a lot of. Um, there is a lot of le- handheld hand holding and leading the uh, watcher to mm. infer things. Uh, with and there are a lot of documentaries now that do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but with but uh, I've been I think I've talked about this before. I've been on a true crime true crime kick here recently Mm -hmm. and uh between uh podcasts like serial and crime town uh documentaries we've talked about here recently just with um uh well with tickled and um the wiener and even uh, even uh what was that uh the lost lost souls island of lost souls yeah right so like all those movies are so much more riveting than this. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. the story itself, like I can see it, this it's a victim of when it was produced. And like, this is how you made a documentary at this time, because you, it felt like you had to handhold your, the what the, the audience. Yeah. And you had to show them instead of tell them and let the people speak for themselves. And it, um, it, what, this is a precursor to all of the things that I was talking about, whether it's crime town, whether it's serial. I mean, serial is probably the one you'd look at, or, uh, if anyone's listened to S town or, um, I mean, there's so many more, uh, that 
the the filmmaker has an obvious leaning mm-hmm. on, or even if you look at uh, what's his name, um, uh, Bowling for Columbine. Yeah, Michael Moore. Uh, Michael Moore, right? So he has an obvious agenda, right? Right. And in this movie, you have there is an obvious agenda because you're supposed to feel a certain way. I in my mind. Yeah. And I'm I'm in agreement. Yeah, absolutely. And like. At the time, I think this is good filmmaking. Now, it's not. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. 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 Because there's there's so much reenactment, and I that's the one thing I cannot stand in a document. <laughs> will not documentary. abide. I will not abide it. I won't. I like don't try. Tell me, give me firsthand accounts and all that stuff. Show me pictures. Show me diagrams. All that stuff. Yeah. Don't. Don't show me 16 times the cop walking out of the car, walking up to the other car. I don't want to see it. I, I like That's fair. Uh, I mean, especially uh, with, well, yeah, 16 times. You're right. It's excessive. But, I, I mean, uh, find other ways. I mean, Ken Burns doesn't have footage. Right. Guy made a day about baseball. Uh, a day? <laughs> Many, many days, weeks, probably. I think he made like 20, like two hour episodes. So, yeah, almost know, two days. I know. But <laughs> it's so it, stupid. But to be fair, it feels like weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But And then I, the playoffs come. Yes. And, but here's, here's, here's what this movie does. And because, like, now I'm jaded. And think about it. I mean, this, is, this movie is as old as you are. Yeah. Right? And literally, it, it has. It, it is effective in, like, f- whether it's a documentary or a narrative or whatever it is, it's supposed to uh, bring out an emotion. And this movie does because it has, an, maybe not an agenda, but it has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm remiss for not even looking up and seeing what happened to this person because I was on vacation and hey, you don't have it kind of – for that. I don't know what happened to the characters in this, but it was like, I can see why this was riveting. Just like all the true crime Mm -hmm. things that are coming out now are like, for me are super riveting. It's just, uh, I think this is a victim of the era in which it was made. Yeah, I really do. I can see why it was critically acclaimed. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I can't, I think I'm a victim of being. I understand uh, that completely. It's one of those movies that I saw too late. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think that's a good, maybe a good list for, you know, down yeah. the road. Yeah, movies you, it, victims of time, saw too yeah. late. Yeah, yeah, because there's certain there's there's those ones that are timeless, the Jawses, the Pulp Fictions, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, there's those ones that are a product of their time, or maybe you see at the right time. For me, um, Night at the Roxbury always comes to mind because I'm never mm-hmm. surprised when people don't like that movie. Um, but I saw it when I was in like seventh grade, so that was like, you know, next level comedy for me. Hmm. And and so it has that soft spot in my heart for that. Um, so th- maybe that's not a good example because it's not. I I, I in no way uh, misconstrue that as a well constructed movie. Um, but something like this, a thin blue line in, in, in 1988 is is the height of documentary filmmaking. But now we even well, look. Uh, I'll give you an example. And this is like 
at the total end, end opposite end of the spectrum mm-hmm. is a movie like Airplane. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm um, sure you like Airplane, mm. um, but it has so many. It has a lot of dated jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they play it. They play it pretty. Like cl- everything is everything is a every person is a straight man in that movie. Um, it's it's well done, but it is it is dated. Like there's so many things that are kind of, you know, the Harry Krishnas or you know. I, you know, that's a movie of its time. Yeah. I think. I I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say because I really, I enjoy Airplane, so. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't see that until probably the early 2000s. So. Well, maybe then. So, maybe. but. But yeah, certain things like Two Days in a Valley is, is a product of its time, yeah. but it's not able yeah. to transcend that time. Yeah. So maybe like uh, Thin Blue Line is a product of 1988, but it can't transcend and translate because of the limitations of documentary filmmaking at that point. I think the story's good. Yeah. The the execution is mm, is lacking, I, and I think it's it because of how I've seen the documentary evolve since then. You know, yeah. over the last 30 years, it's been. Uh, it's evolved to a point where it's 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 just a lot more riveting. Like I'd rather like this involves someone's like a police officer's death, which is obviously tragic. I'd much rather watch Tickled, where someone is trying to hide, and, and that's and that's on me because that's you know obviously who gives a fuck about people getting tickled, but it's it's so much more riveting and better st- storytelling. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to is is a documentary still has a point of view and it still has a narrative and it's supposed to be like Jesus Camp I think does a good job of um letting the viewer decide you and I obviously lean pretty far away from religion. Um Oh, you know one? Um one that is is a little bit more dated, uh the Toynbee Towers. The what? The Toynbee Towers? Have you not seen that? No. Oh no. We're gonna find that. That might be your Toynbee. Oh. How do you even spell that? I don't know. I don't even know how to search for that. The tiles. Let's see if that comes up. No. Uh, damn it. Um, okay. Well, if people have seen that, I will... Resurrect I'll... Dead? The mystery. Yeah, Resurrect Dead. Yes, 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 yes. Huh. Huh. And that came out, I think, early 2000s, maybe? Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Uh, it's loading, and for some reason it's taking an unreasonable amount of time. Because... Mm, 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 not loading. Um. So, anyways, a movie. Uh, Sorry. Uh, something like that, which is more. 2011. Uh, 2006. Hmm. Uh, 2006. Oh, I'm getting a different thing then. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. That's what you're watching this week. Okay. 
T O Y N B. No, no, it's Resurrect Dead. Okay. It's showing it as 2011 on IMDb. I just want to make make sure that I get the right movie. Maybe it's a re-release. Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. Yes. Um, An urban mystery unfurls. Yep, yep, don't read anymore. All right. Uh, So. We'll talk about that and the Thin Blue Lined next week <laughs> that that works <laughs> all right um so that is my assignment i guess uh did we do our new assignments we didn't do them yet did we huh no okay well, this is just all out of whack oh we're still doing assignments <laughs> wow okay uh yeah. so um, do you want to just uh, put a bookmark in this and we can talk more about um, the uh, Resurrect Dead and uh, the yeah. Blue Line next week? Yeah. Let's, um, yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. I'm, I'm with it. Uh, so next week I'll be watching Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. Uh, it's from 2011 and it's streaming on Amazon Prime. And uh, Brad, I'm I'm uh, sending you into the coal mine for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie from from this year. Uh, it's on Netflix called Mindhorn. Mindhorn. Yeah, it's about a washed up uh, TV detective who gets uh, thrown into a real life. Uh, oh, is this what? Uh, what's his name? Not Jeff Ross, but um, the guy from. Uh Oh, um, he's from Curb. <laughs> oh no, that's handsome. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine no, more. This oh, is this, uh, looks, this looks, looks cheesy. Yeah, it looks like it's got a lot of like uh dry British. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Yeah, so um Oh, three hours and fifty eight minutes long. What? Wait, no, we can't. Just, just no, I'm just thing. kidding. Okay. <laughs> No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not watching that. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. No. All right. Uh, yeah, Mindhorn. And uh, that's from this year. It's streaming on Netflix. Uh, what if uh, What if everyone's waiting for our reviews? Do you have any recommendations for the kids at home? Yes. Um, kids at home, listen. If you haven't watched Apocalypse Now, it mm-hmm. is hard to watch. It's a long movie. It's, it's – there's – you will get bored. You will get tired. You will get angry. But Sounds it like is war. a part of filmmaking lore. Mm-hmm. And you need to watch that so you can watch the documentary about the making <laughs> of Apocalypse Now. So you need to watch Apocalypse Now, and then you watch – what's the documentary called? Mm. Um Apocalypse the later. Heart of Dark, Hearts of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness, yeah. Which I think is the book that the Apocalypse the, Now is based on as yes. well. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So watch Apocalypse Now, and then we'll come back, and we'll see if we can get uh, Hearts of Darkness streaming. If not, I will send you a link if you contact me. Ooh. How's that? Ooh. Ooh. I like that. Um, if you want something light, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston get an apartment together, and then they break up in the breakup. <laughs> oh, this is like a dark comedy, right? I haven't seen this movie. Um, 
No, it's definitely like it's a pretty uh, palatable like it's like a PG thirteen comedy. Like it's a PG thirteen rom com. Like kind of flirting with. But there's some like dark elements to this, right? A little bit, like nah, a little bit of. I think it just doesn't uh, maybe end. Maybe I'm thinking as, something different. Yeah. Um, it, you say no, Brad. No, it. I it. There's not dark elements to it. There's a great dinner scene, uh, oh. which I know we've talked oh, about oh, oh, great on news. Mavs. Um. So there's definitely. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm uh, recommending a rom com. Uh, I I wouldn't try and steer you wrong. I think there's definitely some some pretty awesome stuff in here. There's some great comedy, uh, and you know if you need a movie to watch with a lady, or if you're a lady and you need a movie to watch with your boyfriend. Yeah. Do we have any lady listeners other than my wife? Oh no, I guess my cousin. She mm-hmm. listens occasionally. Mm-hmm. Let's see if she's still listening. Yeah. This will be the true test. Uh, calling out fans i think that's the way you get more right uh yeah so um apocalypse now is uh a pillar of filmmaking and the breakup is streaming on netflix so So there you go uh apocalypse now amazon prime the breakup netflix next week we're going to be talking mindhorn we're going to be uh talking resurrect dead and we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to revisit the Thin Blue Line. So if you want to go back and uh, you didn't catch it the first time around and it sounds like you're at least a little bit curious, right? It's on nah. Netflix. We're going to be talking more in depth next week. We're going to we're gonna cover all bases. So there you go. Good um, stuff. Yes. Uh, so we are probably an hour and, what, 30 minutes, hour and 40 minutes into the thing? 30, 33 uh, do we want to go a deep dive and then into Wonder Woman, or do we want to skip the dip, deep dive? Um, I definitely would. I'm I'm down to talk about seven. I just need another beer. All right. Well, all right. have at it. I'll be waiting. I'll. And all right. You you talk to everyone. I'm just kidding. I'll stop it unless you really want to. No, I'm good. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're back. We got new beers. We're mm. empty bladdered. And now we're going into the deep dive. Okay. Submarine and sound I, effect. Yes. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Give them two pings. <laughs> oh, hell two. yeah. Or no, what is it? One? One ping and one ping only. Anyways, um, so I don't want this to be just me, but I don't, I, like, I I want to you to be jumping in and talking about it, but, like, mm-hmm. we're we're doing a deep dive into David Fincher's filmography, right? So last week we talked about uh, Alien 3 and the uh, the trials and tribulations of a first-time uh, major film director with David Fincher and his uh, what happened to him and all that stuff. And um, going into – that was in 2002 or, – or I'm sorry, 1992 uh, – the movie Seven comes out in 1995, and um, what what I like about this is, okay, well, first of all, I think everyone who's listening to this has seen the movie Seven. Probably. They had to have. Like, Probably. if you have our sensibilities, if you haven't, stop it right now, 
like watching the movie seven is so much more important than listening to us blather on about the movie seven. It's a little more important. Yeah, for sure. Mm, for yeah. sure. Like there's some, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It'll uh, change your life. Just I to think. give you an idea. It's, um, it's trending at 8.6 user score on IMDb with 1,108,106 user reviews. Right. So Before like you got movies did that. It, like now, like I think the Avengers trended at like nine point eight for a really long time, before it, before everyone cooled off and yeah. came to their senses. But this is this is from nineteen ninety five. Yes, like this, this is movie, an outlier. Yes, and this movie's made in nineteen ninety five. So this is a twenty, or no, it's yeah. I mean, it's twenty two years old. Two years, yeah. It and it feels like it could have been made today. Uh, I watched it this week, or well, I watched it last week because I was prepared to talk about it, but I was, like I said, in rehab. Um, <laughs> it's two hours and seven minutes long, starring Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, as everyone knows, with a cameo by uh, Kevin Spacey. And <clears throat> so, what we get is a um, David Fincher coming into his second major motion picture. And he comes into it with um, the writer, who his his name's Kevin Andrew Walker. Um, who this is a little bit interesting. He was born in my hometown, really, Alt- Altoona, Pennsylvania, and he then he moved for his formative years to a city, Mechanicsburg, which is about ten miles away from where I live right now. So he's a Pennsylvania man. There you go. And then um, as he was going to school and working his way through, he moved to New York City, which is where he got the inspiration to write the script for Seven. So, like, Big Lights, Big City. He sees the seedy underworld of New York mm-hmm. at that time. Now, he he's older than I am. He's, you know, 12 years older than I am. So he got there pre-Giuliani. You know, yeah. You know, the patents getting all the the nice parts of Gentrif- New York gentrification. Yeah. Yes, post gentrification. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy's seeing uh, the most violent year, mm-hmm. uh, 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 New York. So it, he he based his this script on his time there, and this is his first script he ever wrote, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. And it took a couple years to get it picked up. Um, David Fincher, often he's often quoted in saying he'd rather have colon cancer than to produce another movie after Alien 3. <laughs> and he got, but he got this script and he was able to run with it. Now, many people... Uh, were up for the roles of this of this movie um sylvester stallone al pacino um denzel washington a bunch of different people for the different roles and a lot of people pass it down and all of them regret it i think uh al pacino was in the role for somerset uh the morgan freeman character um and he was doing like City Hall or something at that time. <laughs> something utterly forgettable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Um, this so this movie had um, you know there so, the the studio's taking a, a chance on a uh, director that is unproven. Mm-hmm. They're taking a chance on a script that from an unproven writer, and they're they're taking a chance on actors. Like Brad Pitt's coming off of Legends of the Fall mm-hmm. is his previous movie. And, you know, he's just a heartthrob. Oh, yeah. In this movie, he is abrasive. He's the least likable character for much of this movie. Mm. And, like... Uh, I, th- I think this, this is where you get to see, because I think Brad Pitt is underappreciated because he's so handsome. Right. He's a very versatile actor. Absolutely. And, like... And he can be just dumb and big and yeah, like he's great at that. Yeah, he's, he can be hot. Like, yeah, but he can also he, know, you know, third most Italian. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, he, <laughs> but he he's great. He's because he's unlikable. Like mm-hmm. he's played like summer. Uh, um, Morgan Freeman's character is his character is the. Is really the protagonist in this whole movie. Yeah. You know, he's the point of view character, um, and he, and really for most of the movie, his the antagonist is Brad Pitt because he's the one coming to take his job. You know, he's the one that wants to take away. You know, he's pushing him out and like voluntarily he's leaving, but he's like being kind of really nudged out whether it's with him taking over his office or the, you know, the person scraping off his, uh, his, his name on the, on the door or whatever. Um, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, buddy cop movie. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's a, it's a weird way to look at, uh, the police force. Yeah. And it's also, it's it's also a very dark way to look at humanity. This is there. There's no way to look at this movie and say, "Oh, this is the oh, this is the light side of it." There's it's no utterly like, bleak, right? Like, <laughs> oh, utterly, utterly bleak. And visually, like last week, uh, tone, message, everything about this movie is is bleak. Yeah, there's no redeeming qualities about the movie, humanity. Anything. Uh, I, I I explained Fincher last week as what damp, dark, and dirty. Yeah, that's this movie that's is this all movie. those things. Yeah. Um. Every every scene is is it's raining because on the, I think on the first day of filming it was raining and they decided all right screw it we're just going to make it rain every day just so we don't have to deal with filming on other days. Mm-hmm. And so they just made it rain the whole time, and it it lent to the the way it was, uh, the way that it felt. You know, yeah. it felt claustrophobic because everyone had their hats on, had their 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 coats over top them. It it felt claustrophobic in that way, mm-hmm. and it and it has a. It, because it's in 1995, we're coming off the grunge era, or we're coming, you know, right to the end of the grunge era, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it has that nihilistic feel to it. And, you know, I talked a lot about the Nine Inch Nails 
thing, and, and you will get the Nine Inch Nails. You know, Trent Reznor with with David Fincher later on. Yeah. You know, with the soundtracks and all that stuff, but <clears throat> it just this movie, as good as it is, there's no there, there's funny parts, but there's no light at the end of the tunnel. No. You know, and what's weird is as bright as the this movie so dark, at the end of the movie, it, the movie visually is so bright. Mm-hmm. It's so bright, but it's it is at its darkest. You know what I mean? So like you go through this whole movie, it's dark, dark, dark. You think you can see the light of the tunnel, and you do see the light. It's this big, bright. You're in these. You're, there's no claustrophobia. There's no rain. Yeah, and it's, it's sunshine open everywhere. But it is at its darkest and most bleak. Yeah. And it, I think that's the beauty of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it might be the script. It might be Fincher. I'm not sure because um, he may have gotten lucky. or, uh, But I don't think he did because I think he's pulled it off in so many more of yeah. the movies he will have coming up. Because this movie, is a for me, is almost a perfect movie. I, I, I can't see any flaws in it because it... it, it, it it sets out to do a certain thing, and it pulls yeah. it off. It wants to show you the 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 truly dark side of humanity, mm-hmm. the underbelly of the city, the you know the everyone's dark thoughts, even when there's good people fighting for you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, good just can't win, yeah. and and it's it i think it 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 sets out to do that and it it completes that task at the end of it yeah it definitely like it's a very when you talk about the themes that were present in in art predominantly music in the 90s yeah yeah the nihilism the nothing man like it, everything these guys do it doesn't matter cuz they don't they don't win john doe well i Hopefully everyone did stop and, and, and watch this, so I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, the the bleakness, the even in the in the brightest scene, you nailed that for sure. And it's been a while since I've seen this, but And it's worth it a rewatch. Stick, was, it sticks with really you though, for sure. Like I don't it hasn't been that long, like maybe two years, but like Yeah, I yeah, mean it's unsettling. It's, but it is so well done. Um, from I think you know everyone loves Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. I think he's this is where he shows his acting chops to the the best. I mean, it's yeah. the relationship between him and uh, Pitt are it's like it is so good because mm-hmm. like it starts out as a you know I don't want anything to do with you. You don't want anything to do with me. And then by the end of the film, they're relying on each other so much. And you feel that real bond. It, the storytelling and the way the, the film is framed, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a long movie. It's two hours and seven minutes long. Yeah. Uh, but the way it's framed and the way it, the story unfolds, and it, this is a credit to the, the, the screenwriter and, or, and to the directing, is that you are on this journey with these guys. And the way, you know, the seven sins unfold – it's it's so riveting and like to you know it, it, it's easy to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's 
it's easy to watch this movie at, kind of passing and just like not really paying attention to it because it's on occasionally on um like on the networks and stuff like that and of course it's a lot of stuff is taken out of it but um it's easy to to kind of pass this movie off because it's so familiar but really to look inside and and watch uh just some of the uh just some of the subtle things that uh like what you said about how Brad Pitt like this is his acting coming out party really um like the some of the stuff he does and the way that they they play off each other and Arlie Ermey is fantastic in this movie there's a yeah. there's a, <laughs> I heard an interview with him in uh whenever they were sitting around like the bullpen where all the the desks are and stuff and they're all sitting there and a phone's ringing and he picks up the phone and says I don't even this isn't even my desk and hangs hangs the phone right back up that was a mistake like the phone was <laughs> ringing and it was going to screw up the scene and he just picked it up and put it down but uh Fincher kept it in because he thought it was yeah. just like great so that like that's an awesome part of this movie you know like just these little things that are great about it and i haven't got to kevin spacey's uh part in it because i think he is a uh, he's great sometimes but i think he's such an over actor this is one of his best roles um his condescending nature and everything that obviously this is all spoilers but like um a lot of this was shot um i was reading some some stuff it was it was trying to take um, the the TV show Cops, the way it was shot, like from right. the back seat, and and looking at the two cops to to get that feel because it was a familiar feel for the audience to see, right? Yeah, and and you get those shots where you're looking from John Doe's perspective up to the two cops as they're taking that ride out. And there's like, you think of all the other, the murders and stuff, but there is a long, there's probably a 15 minute uh, back and forth between Somerset Mills and John Doe in the car, just going to uh, out into the field where they're just talking back, back and forth about philosophy and, you know, what's right, what's wrong and stuff like that. And there's some really good, uh, dialogue between the, the characters and really Somerset or uh, 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 Morgan Freeman's character doesn't say anything, and mm-hmm. it's it's all Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey and the way uh, Spacey antagonizes Pitt's character. It it's really it's really great. And like I opened up the the podcast with that, you know, you're mm-hmm. no Messiah, you're a movie of the week, you're a fucking T-shirt, <laughs> and and it's just when it's one of those movies that's you know you wish you could watch for the first time again just to right, get yeah. that feeling um but it's so much more rewarding because there's so many little things that lead up to that uh that I think you miss but um uh this for me it's not my favorite Fincher movie mm-hmm. uh but it's probably number two or three for me. Um, I, and this is where he put his stamp on Hollywood and now he can do anything he wants to. Oh yeah. And he, and any A-list actor will sign up with him from now on out, you know, and we will see that any A-list actor will sign up with him from now on out. So uh, next week we're going to be talking about the game. 
uh, which came out in 2007 or 1997. Uh, yes, but uh, Michael do... Michael Douglas. Yes, my, or what was it? My cow Doug. Mike. <laughs> yes, my cow Douglas. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, do you have anything else to say about it? I'm sorry. I no, wait. no, you're fine. I um, I have not seen this in in, uh, in a little bit. Um, not that long. Uh, it's just to kind of piggyback on that. It's incredibly rewatchable. It's incredibly um, well crafted. I, yeah. it, it just the uh, mess that uh, his situation was in aliens three or alien three i'm sorry um we we could have gotten a much better movie if they would have just left it in his hands well that's the thing with this movie too the um it there there was a lot of the studio did not want to have this ending like that ending was not supposed to happen Hmm. and it got to fincher with that like through a mix up of scripts or something like that, probably someone did it be- and, and Pitt and Brad Pitt got it. And Morgan Friedman both got the scripts with the original, what we see as this ending. Hmm. And it wasn't supposed to go to them like that. And they said they wouldn't do it unless they did <laughs> that ending. And they nice. fought for Fincher and the script yeah, to get that ending. And I th- like, so, like, I'm starting to wonder, like, how many movies that were, are, you know, have gone by the wayside and you don't even remember the seeing could have been so much better without the studios yeah, putting their hands on it and test audiences and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's scary to think about something like that. That'll, that's the type of thing as, as a movie fan keeps you up at night. Yeah. No, but in all joking aside, it's the type of thing that, is is very frustrating i think i've referenced it a couple times on this show but it's something i think about all the time is um trusting your audience like don't play down to the dumbest person in the room if the dumbest person in the room doesn't get it too fucking bad because there's 99 other people in the room who are going to be better for it so Right, um, and like but, I'm wondering but too. But how much like, is that the director, and how much is that people trying to recoup their money, people trying to make a profit, who aren't worried about the art of filmmaking? So. Right. Yeah. And I'm like I, and I'm wondering too, like, like test audiences. Yeah. You know, and I've heard like not a hundred people, but a lot of people say the first time I saw the Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. they weren't like big fans of it. No, I wasn't. I will 100% admit that I didn't think much. Like, I didn't get it. Right. But, like, now it's my top 10 movie of all, like, in my top 10 movies of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say and, it's in my top five. Um, it, it just. So, like, like, so why do we do that? You know, why do we test screen and, mm-hmm. like, base everything on that and didn't do reshoots and stuff like that? Like, Yes, there's plenty of times where artists get in their way mm-hmm. and they shouldn't have the power. Yeah. But also, like, give them the power. Like, they're the creative types. Yeah. You know, you guys are the money, you know, movie studios or the money managers do that. But let's let the artists do the art. 
Yeah. And I just don't play down to the dumbest guy in the room just so that remain- everyone can the get The remainders. It. Yeah. Seriously. Like, I, it just, it makes me so mad. And maybe it's, that's just really, like, inconsiderate and elitist. But I, at the same time, I'm going to stand by it. Like, I think that um, if the more accessible something is, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not good. But if you take something that's really good and make it more accessible, it usually means watering it down. So um, I don't know. I guess take that take that how you will. But I think that um, maybe it's studios. Maybe it's not directors. But someone in the process down the line needs to put their foot down and um, have some appreciation for their audience that there are a lot of us that like, I don't think that I'm some hyper intelligent person. I think that there's a lot of like-minded people who, who get these things, you know, like I, I I just think that um, dumbing it down for in hopes that not, you don't alienate some of your audience can ultimately harm more of your audience. Oh, for sure. And and you won't get an iconic film trying to placate. You know what I mean? Challenge me as a viewer. Like, I would rather that. I'd rather not like a movie that challenges me than get another Night at the Roxbury, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's a time and place for that, too. absolutely. But I was just singing his praises. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Seven pulls any punches, and I, that's awesome. I didn't know that that was the case as they accidentally got the original ending and then put their foot down. Yeah, it was, was kind of cool to see that happen. So, yeah, yeah, and, like, I can't imagine, like, Sylvester Stallone and the eight, or Detective Mills thing. Hey, um, let me get hey. in there. <laughs> Yo, Somerset. Hey, John Doe. <laughs> Yo, John Doe, be bold. <laughs> Eagle screeching. <laughs> Detective, be bolder. <laughs> hey, John Doe, no bueno. <laughs> uh, how did they make those? It just if you're listening and you have no point of reference, there's a uh, a series of Tecate light commercials with. Sylvester Stallone and uh, Roberto Canelo? No, Canelo Alvarez. Oh, why did I think that was his last name? Because you're racist. Yeah, Bobby Canelo. <laughs> that might, eh, I mean, prejudice. <laughs> I'll stand by that. Uh, well, um, yeah, maybe I heard on the after disaster, but maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Canelo Alvarez? Yes. I don't know much about Hispanic boxing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I just don't know much about boxing across the board. Anyways, uh, if you just look up Sylvester Stallone, Tecate Light, yeah. you'll be treated. Mm. Anyways, uh, we've got some more stuff Holy crap. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, what, well, else, what else were you watching we were, on your vacay? Um, 
I also watched, well, uh, I watched a Netflix original movie called Lake or Shimmered Lake, mm-hmm. uh, starring uh, Ron Livingston and Wyatt Russell and Rain Wilson and oh John Michael Higgins, Rob Corddry, and uh, Benjamin Walker. Uh, this is um. Ah, it's I don't know. It's not a waste of time. It really isn't. It's a it's a neat little movie. Like I would recommend this movie because it's kind of clever. Like it it it's a it tells a movie in reverse. Like it tells the end of the story and in it and in it it tells it on uh, it ends on like say a Saturday or a Friday and then it like it goes to that whole day and uh-huh. it goes back to thursday and it tells that whole day and it goes back to wednesday and it tells that whole day and then it goes back to tuesday and it tells that whole day so it's not like <laughs> memento i mean it's kind of like memento but i just like that you opened with it's not a waste of time <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah i it um i i'm not saying it's a good movie mm-hmm. it isn't but it's a worthwhile watch like i I I was at a point in time during vacation where I couldn't watch it straight through, uh-huh. but I couldn't wait to get back to it. So that's for me. That's it's a good deal. You know, yeah, it's a good indicator. I, I guess for me that's a good indicator. But yeah. I don't know. I think this is something you might like. It's streaming on Netflix. Or, well, obviously it's a Netflix original. <laughs> um, I gave it a six. I think it's, uh, but it's watchable. You yeah. know. Um, yeah, we're really you know, working in that zone tonight. Yeah, six uh, like to a movie like <laughs> Into the Forest with uh, what's her name, Ellen Page. Yeah, remember that? Like, I yeah. think I gave that a sec. That's not watchable. Like, no, no, it's not worth your time. No, but this is yeah, this movie. It's not like good, and it, it's cheesy at points, and it it it's a little predictable, but. Um, there's twists and turns and there's some funny moments and it's like a dark comedy type thing. Um, and Rob Corddry is in it. So you can never go wrong with him. So oh, shimmer no, Lake. you can't Rob Corddry is pretty great. And well, Ron Corddry and Ron Livingston are, um, are FBI detectives paired up. Oh, that's, that's not a bad pairing. No. <laughs> All right, cool. Shimmer Lake. Not bad. All right. I saw an IMAX doc recently. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it wasn't. It was on an IMAX screen, but I don't think the company IMAX shot it. Um, it was a Plastic Ocean. Um, it's uh, oh. about journalist Craig Leeson. Um, he's searching for blue whales, and he kind of comes across. There's just like this. Uh, a, a ton of debris. It's across. like that that floating island in the Pacific, right? Yeah. So it's not like it's not so much like an actual like landmass of plastic, which I had to explain to someone else. Um, but it, there's just there's a ton of plastic in the ocean, and it it's concerning the way that it it winds up in animals, it winds up in our food sources. Like it's it's pretty wild. Um, it's obviously documentaries. They always have a pretty clear um, side that they land on. Usually, a lot of them. Um, this one, obviously, it's uh, 
unfortunately, it's the type of thing that people would describe as maybe uh, left-wing propaganda, but mm-hmm. it's all factual. Like, you see them cut open um, seabirds' stomachs and pull out a ton of plastic. Like, it's, oh. it's, it's fact. It's definitely... Uh, hippie dippy, I got like just whatever you can say to discredit it and distance it from, uh, you know, whatever helps you sleep at night. But the the simple fact of the matter is that uh, it takes a pretty um, uh, pretty close look at uh, our trash issue on Earth. Yeah. Um, I, I gave it a seven. Because as a documentary, it definitely dropped the ball in several circumstances where it would introduce an idea, never come back to it. Um, and that, that just kind of happened way too much. But other than that, uh, I think it did a good job of simply uh, projecting facts, which um, I think if you're going to do something like this where um, people are kind of just going to weigh in um depending on where they fall politically on right. the validity of it uh they did a good job of just stating facts just presenting facts um it's not streaming anywhere uh it's definitely if you're interested in um your impact as a person on on earth you're you're probably familiar with this. If you're not, um, you don't need to go out of your way and see it, but it's definitely interesting. And it definitely is, uh, (laughs) it's one of those things where it's, it's already a bigger problem than I think maybe most of us realize, uh, myself included, like it's, I'm not a crusader for this type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it just presents you with the facts and uh it's concerning. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I got and it's weird that I had this experience whenever I was down at the beach. Um mm-hmm. I mean, we had five families in this house we were at. Yeah. And the amount of trash like these five families went mm-hmm. through, you know, with the eating and all that stuff and we put the trash out. We had like three three trash cans in like yeah. two or three days. Yeah. And it's like you think about that and then you think about, okay, I put my trash out every other day or whatever. Like, where does that go? Yeah. And like multiply that by, you know, how you know Yeah. Six billion people. Yeah. And so now and we have like any like for Americans at least, you know, we got three and a half or three hundred and fifty million people in the world or in the country. Yep closer to 375 everyone i'd say everyone drinks a bottle of water a day yeah where does that bottle go right if you're not recycling it and even if you are recycling it you know yeah things can happen but yeah it's just it's unfortunate because it's well uh researched it's well backed excuse me it's well backed up but it's just one of those things where I mean, I don't know. We just live in a weird time where facts don't necessarily matter. Like people feel that they can it's, say like it's feelings. Yeah, feelings yeah. are more important than facts sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's where we're at right now. And people might feel that it's liberal propaganda, and that they're gonna throw that bottle of Mountain Dew wherever the wherever it may land. And yeah. uh, it's it's it's, a, weird. it's, it's more it's, of a can of Monster Energy drink. Oh hell yeah! Well, I don't care where that ends up. That's not plastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's weird. And for me, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I lived on the ocean for two years, and I was always amazed just seeing, because, like, growing up in Chicago, we, like, we're by the lake, but the lake doesn't really play a big part in our day-to-day lives. Um, But when you're driving on Highway 98, like, I would drive Highway 98 to get to work every day, and you can see the ocean on, from the highway Mm. and people are still just throwing a like 30 ounce cup from styrofoam cup from Whataburger out their window. Mm. (laughs) Just what the hell? Yeah. That's just so short sighted and, and, and whatnot. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's exactly what you think it is as far as if you think that, um, the uh, trash issue is nothing but liberal propaganda. That's all you're going to get out of this. But if, yeah. if, if um, and and like I said, I'm I'm not an eco warrior. I'm not. This is something that I'm pretty. I'm I'm not well versed in. So it was interesting and it was it was concerning. So yeah. Um, but if speaking strictly from a technical standpoint, um. <laughs> as far as how they built the documentary, this is seven. Like they definitely dropped the ball in some places. So good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But it looked nice, especially on the IMAX screen. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Can't wait to see Dunkirk on IMAX. Yeah. That'll be sick. Um, Did you catch anything else? Big old lips. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's a flyboy, baby. Um, catch anything else um, noteworthy before we move forward? I don't think so. I think that's okay. that's enough. Gotcha, gotcha. Unfortunately, I I need to take another break. These beers, I tell you. Yeah. Going through the more you drink. water, the more you know. Yeah. Beer, be. All right. Main event time. Yep. As a, as I mentioned, I've been going to the theater a lot. Mr. Brad, you made your way out to the theater. I did. We caught a little movie called Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, we get uh oh, we get uh, Gal Gadot. And I think what did I say this I said this on the air, right? That it needs to be this movie for mm-hmm. DC needs to be Iron Man, yeah. right? It needs to have that Iron Man feel because yep. With the you know the disappointment of Batman vs Superman, we need to set up a DC universe that can mm-hmm. that you can put your arms around, that you can embrace, you can enjoy. And uh, we get Wonder Woman coming out, and we get uh, Gal Gadot, we get Chris Pine, we get Robin Wright, we got uh, Lucy Davis. I mean, a whole cavalcade of uh, actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's her name? Peggy or the director. Uh, Patty Jenkins. That. Yes, Patty Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we get this great big blockbuster Wonder Woman movie. Is it going to be any good? All right. 
mm-hmm. and uh, we spend the first half of the movie. I'm not sure if it's going to be good. The <laughs> first third of the movie, not sure. Yeah, first act is yeah still in the air. Yes, but by the end of this movie, I was happy. I was very mm-hmm. pleased because good. what um, what. I think it's I think it's tone is yeah. the most important part of these kind of movies because you can get great actors and a uh, good story and all that stuff but it's the tone mm. that you need to be able to 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 you have to have that playful fun in it. Yeah, uh, with, it is a comic book. Iron Man after you all. had Robert Downey Jr. It mm-hmm. all was on his shoulders but he was able to make it fun and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always felt comfortable with him. You always knew he was the good guy, but he was, he, whether or not he would get out of his own way or, but you yeah. always knew he'd come out in the end. And the tone of that movie was great. And, and with the first Avengers, I think he had a great to, tone too. It wasn't too serious. There were serious parts in it. Uh, mm-hmm. but overall there was funny themes in it and all that stuff with the Hulk, the interactions between them and all. Um, I think yeah. this movie hit that tone. I, I, to think that it nailed it. I think that it did a great job. Wonder Woman is such... Um, the interesting thing about DC, and it's maybe just the way um, the rights worked out, DC, the you have the Trinity, right? Yep. You have uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Um, and uh, in no particular order, because I'd happily put Superman at the end of that list or leave him off the list and throw like the flash in there. Um, (laughs) but it's not my call. It's the general public's call. And, uh, so you, you have the Trinity and, and, uh, Warner brothers has the rights to that. Um, we got to see them finally in Batman vs Superman underwhelming, um, you know, we had a whole episode about that. You can go revisit no. that if you really want to, um, which you should. It's great content. Uh, <laughs> but um, Marvel has kind of been on their heels as far as they gave away X-Men, Fantastic Four, Marvel's First Family, Spider-Man. Um, and so Iron Man was an unexpected hit. I think Wonder Man was something that um, everyone was kind of expecting to hit in in the face of Suicide Squad being underwhelming, Batman vs. Superman being underwhelming. Um, but I think that you're 100% on the money with it needed to be Marvel's Iron Man uh, or DC's version of Iron Man. And the, the opening with them on the island is the only part that is not it's not bad, but it's, I, I think it's the only part that um, leaves any room for, for maybe even doubt. Because as soon as this movie gets going, I am fully invested and I yeah. am psyched out of my mind. Yeah, it's almost too much fan service. You know, it's too much. It's too much of the origin story. Like, yeah. It, okay, you, so that's what us, I'm trying to get at. Give us 15 to 20 minutes of it and yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah. So um, I'm going to blame it on the beers. Uh, but that's what I'm trying to get at. It was, is with, uh, DC, you have the Trinity, super familiar Marvel's Iron Man. Now it's a household name, but Marvel or Iron Man was kind of a B list guy. Wonder Woman is part of the, the Trinity. Wonder Woman, you don't need to spend a oh, lot of time. Part with of the origin story. Yeah. Too. 
Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to spend a lot of time on the Wonder Woman origin story because it's so just kind of ingrained in pop culture. Maybe not exactly how she grew up, maybe not the whole idea of the God killer, but... Or how we, hard it was for her to leave, or right. like, but you why understand. why there was that big uh, conflict between the sisters and mm-hmm. all that stuff, like because that was a movie within itself, really. It had yeah, like yeah. three acts, and it was like could have uh, been for sure, yeah, and very interesting it, too. Like it, it, the family yeah. drama would would be great, but in this particular movie, we know Wonder Woman, and maybe it's just, um, but I think they actually gave us three acts in that first. That opening act. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it was kind of like an extended montage, it almost felt like. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, I, but at the same time, because we're dealing with Wonder Woman, and maybe it's my personal, um, just projecting my own knowledge and experience, it didn't feel entirely necessary that we need to... Um, I don't know. Uh, now the talking through it it seems stupid but i i just felt like we understand who this character is but maybe we don't maybe just i do and in certain you know dc readers do so maybe yeah, it was I mean, necessary but they it what i had a problem with it it was it was 25 minutes too long mm-hmm. they could have cut that opening act into a 15 minute long like they didn't need, even need to introduce the sister Robin Wright's uh, Robin Wright's character, mm-hmm. they didn't even need to introduce her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that conflict between her and the mother, like, because once she left, there was no doubting what she was. You right. know what I mean? Like, there was no conflict why she left, and like that whole. And once um, she left that setting, that setting is never revisited. Never revisited, right? So there's no reason to do that. Yeah, there's you no know what reason I mean? to build that. That's up. all fan service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, and I guess there is a payoff, and I kinda is at the end, but like because she didn't know exactly what she what she was, right? And maybe that leads, you know, that's a little bit of uh, filmmaking writing, but um, mm-hmm. I think. As soon as she left the island, that's whenever everything got great. Yeah. Or as, oh, yeah maybe as soon as Steve Trevor got there, um, you know it. It you know Chris Pine was he was uh, he was you know as good as she was in it. Chris Pine was just as good because he played that subservient role to her. Yeah, he the was whole great. Time. He was a great supporting role, but Gal yeah. Gadot was fantastic. Like everything oh. you could want and more. It, like yeah. everything you didn't know you wanted. Um, and so I had a theory about this. I, I alluded to you. Um, what, one of the things that I thought, if this movie works, one of the reasons would be <laughs> because it is um, historical fantasy. Oh, okay. It... it um, it has the luxury of detaching itself entirely from everything we know 
in Batman vs Superman, uh, Suicide Squad didn't really do much as far as world building, kind of alluding to it in a in a post credit scene. Um, everything we know about Justice League so far, this movie was allowed to stand on its own. It was allowed to focus in on one character and develop that character, and that's what I'm really loving about superhero movies right now. When you talk about Deadpool, Logan. Wonder Woman, like those all for me, they kind of have the, like the story is epic, but Mm -hmm. it's concentrated and it's the same. It's the thing that Mad Max Fury Road had going for it is you have an idea. You have um, obviously the other three movies I named Deadpool, Logan and, and Wonder Woman are not as simple as Fury Road and subsequently not as good uh, so take that as you will but they they kind of boil it down to what they need they they function inside of a massive inside of a massive world without trying to show you every little aspect of that massive world you deal right. strictly with wonder woman you deal strictly with wolverine you deal strictly with deadpool even though they're skirting on the outsides of of a big yeah, there's a there's a bigger tapestry of superheroes' action excitement at work, but you boil it down to what is necessary to tell this one hero story, and that's what people are showing up to see Wonder Woman for. You, we don't want to go see Wonder Woman to figure out how uh, the Flash and um, Batman uh- and Superman and Aquaman. Uh, yeah, we we don't care about that. We want to know about Wonder Woman, and that's all they gave us in this movie. Yeah, and they didn't rely on anything mm-hmm. else because it was separate. It was you know actually a hundred years ago. Yeah, like literally a hundred years ago. Yep. Um, and the way that it was isolated to a specific battlefield and a specific you know, you know, a specific person that they were hunting and it's, it wasn't yeah. like they were trying to kill, uh, the, 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 uh, what, uh, the Kaiser or anything like that. It was, it was, it was a neat little package. I mean, obviously blown up for, you know, it's, it's a comic a book grandiose stuff, in yeah. it, but it overall, like for a big, superhero action summer blockbuster movie it was it was like a fish out of water story it was nice and neat yeah you know yeah they i i feel like they hit the comedic beats well um they didn't harp on anything too much as far as like if they found a joke that worked within the script they hit it once and kept moving um, which is great because because nothing kills humor like revisiting it when it's not funny anymore. Um, yeah. And uh, aside from the opening act, I felt like pacing was pitch perfect. Yeah. Um, a little heavy on uh, exposition in the climax. Yeah, that was um, a little much. Yeah, but I blame little, that. A little too much uh, final scene action. I blame but. that on... Uh, the actor, because he was also the guy who uh, gave too much exposition in um, Prisoner of Azkaban. 
That's so, right. See, he's that guy is obsessed with exposition. What if he, he's just improvising everything? Yeah, that's what he does. He's like, I love we exposition. Need a, we need an actor that can tell a story. Oh, that's yeah. Let's do it. Expository improvisation. Yes. That's me. Uh, <laughs> no, it, that was after we left the island. That was the only thing that was kind of like. Uh, pull it yeah, back, well, rain it, it back like, in. You saw it, it coming, in. but they did. It little, yeah, it was a little telegraphed, but like for the most part, it was it was um, it was yeah, it was still really good. Like those the the fight scenes, the battle scenes, her leading the charge in that mm. uh, across the no man's land was yeah. a really good scene. It when, was just yeah. I, I I thought it was. When she climbed up out of the trenches, I will, I, it was emotional for me as just a fan of, of DC. And like, I, I felt like I was receiving a payoff of something that I've waited a really long time for. And, um, well, you know what it felt like? It it felt like old comics. Yeah. It felt like old comics where like they were fighting, they were fighting the the Germans. They were fighting Hitler and stuff. Even though they weren't in this movie fighting them, mm-hmm. but like the reason they were they were putting these comics out, they were like fighting the evils in the world, like the the big yeah. bad villains, and that's what it felt like, yeah. you know. And it, it it felt it wasn't this grand scale with multi layers and 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 issues you had to buy, mm-hmm. you know, like sixteen different. Um, yeah, uh, the, stories just to get the the whole big story. It was a single issue story, you know, where you you're just buying that comic to read that story, and the next the next comic is the next story. Yeah, you know, and it 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 let it 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 made or it lived up to a true comic book movie. Yeah. After and, you know, so I yeah, I was very very pleased. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh shit, we didn't talk about uh, Neil. Damn it, Neil. We can, we can. Uh, um, I mean, it's it sounds like uh, honestly, we'll just keep going back and forth on Wonder Woman. What did what did you give it? Uh, I gave it a seven because of that that uh, opening credit. Mm-hmm. Like, had they cut that completely out or gave it a ten minute just throw off, like. I, I appreciated what they were trying to do, but like, and I I kind of liked the the uh, the storytelling with the Zeus thing and how mm. the storybooks came to life and stuff. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I I just I was bored by that. I I was wasn't involved um, until uh, the and the only other problem I have was well, other than Stryker being you know going from Marvel to to uh dc <laughs> it it was um the the big bad was a little one note you know what i mean it um i don't know it was like i i don't think you could have had a really big bad for this because it was such a coming out party for wonder woman right yeah and i i don't think we can say enough about that because like she was it her her like she played it with so much confidence and um playfulness and um just uh 
the way she handled the role, like she embraced it to the hilt. Like there was no question she was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like oh, it absolutely. was, it's, she's a good representation. And like, I went to see this with, um, two of my nieces and one of their, one of their friends. Mm-hmm. And like, I was happy to go see a good representation of like a female, um, comic book hero mm-hmm. you know a strong representation of that because you don't get that and even in regular movie making you don't see that many strong female leads and like i was happy to see them be <laughs> you able didn't, to... so you didn't take them to see winterspawn no <laughs> uh, but yeah 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 absolutely i mean yeah it's it's nice because i mean I don't know. I I don't want to. I feel like I'm already treading that line with the uh, plastic ocean, but like not. Sometimes it just comes down to uh, the the simple fact of the matter is that um, we're using too much plastic. No, the simple fact of the matter is their comic books are for everyone, and uh, you know maybe maybe some people don't. You know, some kids can't really see themselves whether they're um they can't really see themselves as batman or superman whether it's because they're little girls young boys coming from different backgrounds like so it's like (laughs) there's fucking nothing wrong with diversity is basically what it comes down to so um i think that's a great thing and as someone who is well represented across all forms of media like I said, it, watching Wonder Woman uh, climb out of those trenches, like as just a fan of the genre, like it just felt really good to me. So yeah, um, yep, she represents it well. Like, and yeah. I think she like if if the and if they do when they when they do the uh, Justice League, I think mm-hmm. she's going to be the best part of it. Like she has to be probably. Like she's so much better than Batman and Superman in. in in this universe right now that's what we're talking about absolutely well i don't uh, let's see what happens with batman (laughs) because i think ben affleck can be great but it can be but i think i mean that he he hasn't what was my favorite part i mean my favorite part of that movie was when she showed up yeah i mean and if not that just a, a like frame of lightning striking. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like a too. frame that yeah. looked like something Frank Miller drew. Like that's just, and that's us bringing our own experience as comic book readers into it. So like, yeah. It's... How, how badass was that? Um, when, when the theme music kicked oh, in yeah. the, or slow motion. Yeah. It was so good. I, I was waiting for it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was too. I was, I was like, that's such a has great to be in here. Oh, it's an incredible riff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I hope that she continues her run because I think that, um, this could be the beginning of something really excellent. So, yeah. So hopefully. And, and it, you know, with, uh, at the risk of spoiling it, you know, it was good to see that not good to see, but like that we don't, there's no, Hmm. It, it doesn't she doesn't have to long for a person or you know she's yeah. not panning for a person like that happened yes she fell in love yeah he's gone 
now she moves on. She's not going to be beholden to like some man mm-hmm. over time. I just like the fact that there's a strong woman in comic books, other than Scarlet or the Black Widow, who's kind of just flirty and slutty. You know. Well, other than Black Widow, who no one gives a shit about. <laughs> well, I, I I'd like her. I mean, I she's care. great. I like as a as a Marvel reader, I don't care. As a Marvel rule, yes, but as Scarlett Johansson portraying her. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. You know I'm what I mean? Sorry. Like, um, she's fine and she's good, but she's not that uh, pillar of strength that Superman or Captain America is. You know what I mean? Like, she's shady. She's manipulative. She's, you know, she's not the person you expect. Brad, women can be manipulative too. I understand <laughs> they are. There's oh, ruthless. Yes. <laughs> No, it, yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, it's it's nice to see someone in a leading role that can live up to being a superhero on screen. Yeah. So I I gave it an eight. Um, my initial instinct was to give it a nine, um, and I the only reason I decided against it I also downgraded Logan. I originally gave Logan a nine. Um, I want to give these movies some time to breathe. Um, yeah. And the two are very intertwined for me because they're two of my favorite characters for one. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they both um, are, re- are representative of a new direction where you tell one person's story. You follow this one person on a journey and, um, it kind of it it can still be epic, but scale back the scope, and I think that that's what these two movies have done really well so far. Um, and as time goes on, I'm really looking forward to revisiting both of these movies. Um, so uh, hopefully, like like I said, my instinct was to give this movie a nine because I I came out of it uh, psyched out of my mind, and I can't wait to see it again. Um, there's just uh, there's a lot of movies to watch right now. So. Yeah. So uh, I, it is, as far as doing the show. So when it when it makes its way to home video, I definitely uh, am going to either pick up a copy or rent it. Um, I'm super excited to revisit it. And uh, maybe in time, you know, if it if it ages well, um, it, you know, if I enjoy it as much the second time or maybe third time around, um, it has that potential to be a nine for me. Like, I think it's a great movie. Uh, yeah. So. I just, uh, that first act really bugged me. Yeah, like, the first just... act was not great. But I think that, um, like I said, like um, DC readers are so familiar with that. And maybe not everyone reads, I definitely know, not everyone going to see that movie reads DC comics. So Yeah. Well, here's the thing. For them. Let they them should. read it. Yeah. Let them go back and read it. You don't have to like spoon feed it to them. Yeah, you're right. Give them, give them, give them that little Trust taste. Trust your of audience. It, you know, and and give us more of the good stuff because, like, mm-hmm. as much as I liked the interaction between them, it just wasn't like I knew what was coming. I knew she was going to leave there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's you know. true too. Is when you know how it finishes up, you might as well not waste your time. So. Yeah. Um, before we leave, though, uh, as uh, alluded to on Twitter, if you're a follower, uh, <laughs> uh, 
what uh, is Neil had some uh, choice words for me as I uh, voiced <laughs> my opinion on the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, so I just want to run through his email real quick because uh, whether he agrees with me or not, I'm always excited to get an email uh, from him. So uh, he says, hey, guys, right, let's get into the whole Harry Potter thing. I haven't read any of the books, so I went into watching the films with no real background of story or plot. All I kind of knew was young wizard goes to wizard school. It's kind of all you need. <laughs> so there you go. I don't. Uh, I didn't like the first two Harry Potters. Don't blame him. After watching the second film, I almost stopped watching them. So when the third one came out, which was a little darker, the acting was a little better, it surprised me and kept my interest in the rest of the franchise. I'm not saying it was perfect, but as you said yourself, Andrew, other than this, uh, the uh, Shrieking Shack scene, you enjoyed it. Um, and he goes on to list his, uh, his uh, from worst to first, uh, the Philosopher's Stone, which is uh, called the Sorcerer's Stone, stateside, because, uh, again, no one's trusting their audience. They think we're dumb over here. Uh, and the Chamber of Secrets are his two least favorite. He couldn't decide which was the shittiest. <laughs> uh, Deathly Hallows, part one at six. The Order of the Phoenix, five. Number four, The Half-Blood Prince, which I believe is the fifth movie. Number three, The Goblet of Fire, which I'll be watching probably sometime this week. Uh, the Deathly Hallows Part 2, which is the climax of the series. And number one was The Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, which is scary because that means that it's only going downhill from here for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he says, I would like to get your uh, thoughts on the other films, too, if you get that far, which I will. I, I made a promise. Um, I really I don't think that... Uh, um, the Prisoner of Azkaban was horrible, but I do think that it was building up to something, and that Shrieking Shack scene signified that it was not going to stick the landing. Um, and maybe that's something cynical in me, but me, um, we were talking about this before the show, I read the first four books, and um, just kind of what I envisioned versus what was on screen, even though it's a very much a cliched thing of the book is always better than the movie, um, which I don't think is necessarily the case. See Jaws, see Jurassic Park. Um, I, uh, I, I, was, I was hoping for more, um, just a little darker, um, even with you know the fantasy elements and the, the, the fun stuff that is going on. I was hoping for something a little darker. I'm not talking about like gritty movies, but um, I, I think this was the one that showed that it could be that, and then it just did not stick the landing. And then I know you said it was uh, on TV recently. Yeah, yeah, didn't hold my attention. Hmm. There you go. That's all there is to that. Anyways, um, you can email email us at brunviewpod at gmail com. Any of your thoughts doesn't have to just be Harry Potter. It could be Wonder Woman, Thin Blue Line, uh, any actually yeah. any movie. Yeah, any. Yeah, if any you're movie. thinking about a movie, email us. Yep, do it. It'll be fun. Um, and uh, of course, you can catch us every week on thesaucelounge.com as well as on iTunes. Uh, rate, subscribe, comment. That's you know, tell your friends. Do that. Mm. That's the best way to do it. Just be like, you like. Or no, you know what? Steal your friend's iPhone Mm -hmm. and just download our podcast. Yeah. 
And they'd be like, how'd this get on here? Oh. Hmm. No, well, I'll listen. Yeah, they they don't they don't second guess it. They're like, well, I better listen. <laughs> At the very worst, we get another download. Yeah, absolutely. That does nothing but good stuff for us. So, unless they listen to us and give us a one star review, which actually would be great because I've been seeking haters for so long. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are glad you guys are listening. We do appreciate it, and we mm. want you to interact with us. Please do. And we'll see you next week. But Hemingway once wrote, the world's a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Yo, Chuck, you said he dribbles a still front on us. So that we can do this, because we always do this. <laughs> yeah, boy. Bass, how low can you go? Death row. What a brother know. Once again, back is the incredible. Rhyme animal, the uncannibal. Thief. Public enemy number one. Five folks said freeze. And I got numb. Can I tell them that I really never had a gun? But it's the wax that the Terminator X bun. Now they got me in the cell, took my records, they sell. Cause a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet and I think you wanna listen to what he can say to you. What you wanna do is follow for now. Power the people say, make a miracle. Keep up the lyrical. Black is back all in. We're gonna win. Check it out. Yeah, yeah.